Hey there, Chapeau. I hear the interview with the uh, the goat Long Jinza went rather well on the wrestling roundtable the other week. So, did you tell him about my love for Mike Rowe, by the way? You know, that's that's what me and Jinza have in common. That wonderful self-help seminar. Talk like a pro, just like Mike Rowe. Oh, we are stupendous. Having such a guest as Long Jinza really helps the credibility to my wrestling show segment, The Wrestling Roundtable. I must say that during my interview, I have found that Long Jinza was, may not have been such a fan of Mike Rowe, however. Whoa, I'm sorry. But uh, you didn't just say that. Tell me, you didn't just say that. And, uh, what makes you say that? Well, this, uh, this must be very tough news to hear, but I brought up the subject of Mike Rowe, and also I brought up you, Stupendous, being such a fan of Mike Rowe as well. Uh, so tell me, Chapo, what did Long Jeans say about the subject of my hero, Mike Rowe? I'm sure the next thing you'll be telling me that Cootie Roods also is not a fan of Micro either. Exactly, Blue. All I know is that when I brought up the subject of how much we all love Micro, and all I got was, are there any other questions for me? Oh, okay then. What was your follow-up question then? Well, knowing how close Long Jinza was to the Hall of Famer, Hogi Hogani. My first, my first official question was to Long Jinza was about why Kokomo Beach Chair hasn't heard of the Wrestling Show podcast. Oh, why Kokomo Beach Chair hasn't heard of the Wrestling Show podcast? You know, out of all the questions you could have asked, the GOAT Long Jinza, I gotta tell you, Chapeau. That's why they pay you the big bucks. High five, brother! And a one, and a two, and a one, two, three. Lip really loves wrestling. He likes to talk about it too. If you like to watch wrestling as he do, come and join us on the wrestling show. On the wrestling show. On the wrestling show. For the wrestling show to take a very cynical look back at representing the WWE and live uh, from the TD Garden in Boston, Massachusetts, it's Monday Night Raw, air date March 6th, 2023. This episode is The Road to WrestleMania. Let's go! <clears throat> uh, Wilbo. Wilbo, 
Welcome to Season 5 of the Wrestling Show Listener. I'm Lip Hazlywood, and tonight we're going to start our podcast off with a very cynical review. <clears throat> slash, a look back at the latest episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into the meat of the show, first, a quick shout-out to the non-competitors. The foundation of the show, if you will, now representing the authority figure. He is uh, Adam Pierce, getting out of Dodge when needed be. Next, getting all the pre-match interviews and all the backstage scoops, they are the team of uh, Kathy Kelly and Byron Saxton. And last but certainly not least, it's the commentary crew, the play-by-play guys, the hosts. And some may even call them the narrators of the show. They are the team of Corey Graves and Kevin Patrick. Now, without without any further cadoos, let's get on with the show. Now we start with uh, a big match. Now, Raw, 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 this is what Raw. Now, Raw, what's going on with Raw? <clears throat> raw, Raw, this. <laughs> okay, so right off the bat, we're missing somebody again. And that's the Superman of Raw. It's uh, Roman Reigns. Because Roman Reigns is Superman and uh, Raw is uh, Kryptonite. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, listener? That's right. Roman's not at Raw again. That, But, however, I think Raw today is uh, Raw is Oz. That's right. Raw is Oz. And he's like, why? Why Oz? Why? Why? It's because uh, Kevin Owens, Oz. Sammy Zayn, huh? Pretty good, eh? But it's true, though. I mean, that this Raw is bookended, is bookended by Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. So yeah, they're the main events. Mm-hmm. And why not? Because Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are the best minds in wrestling. One, two of the best minds in wrestling. But how? How does this? How does this gig? How does this day go? Ho ho ho! Hey hey! Now the first match. It's Kevin Owens versus Solo Sokoa. Now, Solo Sokoa is obviously, he's a, a SmackDown competitor, first and foremost. But also, a member of the Bloodline. Now, the Bloodline is so-called imploding as we know it. You know, all the stress is happening in the Bloodline. So, what's going to happen here? Well, we got ourselves, uh, what, the match was a, a barn burner. It was over 11 minutes. Almost 11 and a half minutes, listener. It was pretty good. Pretty good. It was a barn burner. It was a slobber knocker. It was a... It had all the makings of a match of the night. But however, as nice as the match was, the wrestling was fantastic. They uh, they had a couple of things with the rest of WWE now. Uh, it's the fact that the referee... What is the referee's job in the uh, Federation now? Um... One might think there's a lot of things to keep the rules. Is it really? Are they really there to keep the rules or are they just there to, to count to three or disqualify somebody? But disqualifying somebody is less and less these days, you know? Because uh, like usual, a lot of times when wrestlers fight outside the ring, the referees stop counting because they usually out there for a long time. More than 10 seconds. <laughs> a slow 10 seconds, longer than that. These guys were out there for uh, uh, close to uh, uh, 50 seconds outside the ring. That's right. That's right. A uh, little bit nitpicking, but I think a uh, little bit of a, um, a ring awareness should be going on there. Some uh, rolling in and out of the ring. You know, 
brings a little bit of a little bit of the legitimacy, uh, you know, of the whole thing. That's right, legitimacy. I made that word up. Anyways, the legitimacy. <laughs> I think I made it worse. <laughs> To make it more legitimate, legitimacy, yeah, legitimacy. That's it. That's it. Okay. Anyways, so <clears throat> match goes on. Not a back and forth in the match. It was fun. It's fun. Now, it's uh, um, Jimmy Uso was at uh, Soul Skull's side at this match here, and basically it's this. Uh, before the whole show started, it was Paul Heyman getting uh, Soul Skull and uh, Jimmy Uso together. And he's saying that yes and. You guys got separate tasks. Solo Sokoa, you got to take care of Kevin Owens. And Jimmy Uso, you've got to take care of Sami Zayn. So that's how it all started. So this match, of course, Jimmy Uso, he uh, he interferes in the match as much as he could, you know. And he did. Solo Sokoa took over after the first interference, taking Kevin Owens off the top of the rope, slamming him to the ground, smashing him up a bit, until, of course... Things got turned around again when uh, Solo Sokoa decided to pull a 4.0, the Otis. That's right, the 4.0 Otis. Mm-hmm. Otis usually his thing is his Otis's trademark is the slamming his uh, head, slamming himself, slamming himself head first into a post or whatnot. And this is exactly what Solo did, it's head first into a post, baby. And then Kevin Owens took over for there. And then he went for Kevin Owens going for his uh, patented stunner. You know, he didn't go for the kick in the stomach first, so that's a that's a no-no. So he goes for the stunner, and Solo Sokoa pushes him off. And Kevin Owens goes face first into a Jimmy Uso. Whammo! I thought, oh my goodness, is this a uh, little bit of distraction Solo Sokoa needs to uh, pull over a win on Kevin Owens? But no, it is not. It is not. Kevin Owens uh, continues to beat up some Solo Sokoa. And uh, crushes him in with the massive, uh, you know, uh, crushes him in with the uh, Santon in the corner, the, you know. And then Kevin Owens, after that crushing sand corner Santon, he goes to the top rope and then with another, with a Swanton, a beautiful Swanton, Kevin Owens, one of the great high flyers of wrestling, hits Solskoa with the Santon bomb. Was it a swanton, I should say. A swanton. That's right. And then, of course, uh, Kevin Owens goes for the pin. And this is where Jimmy Uso jumps in the ring there. And I guess he goes to stop the pin like it's a tag team match. It's hilarious. No, ref, stop it. Ah, he jumps. Uh, it's hilarious. You know, I mean, he couldn't come in with a, a stomp on the head or something like that. Something more vicious. Rather than, I'm breaking the count. <laughs> Anyways, enough with the nitpicking. It now becomes a two-on-one Kevin Owens versus uh, what Jimmy Uso and uh, Solo Sokoa. They start taking over. They take uh, Kevin Owens outside of the ring. They beat him up some more and they put him on top of the commentator's table where Solo Sokoa is to uh, give him the old Samoan splash. Crush him through the uh, table. But however, it does not come to fruition because Sami Zayn... Here he comes to save the day. He comes in and punches up some Jimmy Uso. Solo Sokoa gets a face full of uh, corner post. But inside the ring is uh, Kevin Owens slides in the ring there. 
Sami Zayn goes in the ring there too when he wants uh hey hey guy let's uh we gotta we, let's let's team up now right we, I helped you now we're good right and he goes to shake his hand shake him a hand hey why don't you do shake him a hand Kevin Owens thought about it and thought you know hey forget about it and rolls out of the ring wow the storyline thickens now these two Kevin Owens Sami Zayn Two of the greats of wrestling. Gotta say, hands down, two of the greats. Now, here we go. After that, we go backstage with the almighty, the almighty Bobby Lashley. And he's talking about uh, Bray Wyatt. Um, now, basically, the question is, uh, what will it take for you to uh, face me like a man? Because, of course, last time they went face-to-face was not. It was... Uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Uncle Howdy Ziggler. Uncle Howdy, aka Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> I'm calling him Dolph Ziggler. It was not uh, discovered that he's Dolph Ziggler, but I have a feeling that uh, Uncle Howdy and Dolph Ziggler have something in common. That they're both Dolph. <laughs> they're both Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> okay, so yeah, um, it seems. Well, he wants one-on-one with the, uh, you know, Bray Wyatt. You know what's going on with Bray? Who knows. When uh, Bray wants something big done, it's Uncle Howdy that, that, that does the business. Mm-hmm. Anyways, he's calling him out. Will it happen? Probably. Okay, so now after that, we go backstage with uh, Byron Saxton, with uh, Carmella. Carmella with their post-match uh, pre-match interview, with a pre-match interview with Carmella for uh, fighting a Bianca Belair. And then Chelsea Green pops in there and she starts talking. They start, Chelsea and uh, Carmella, they're hitting it off very well. Their personalities blend very well. Surprising, I guess. Uh, not sure how it happens, but they, they work together. And they, car, Chelsea's talking about, oh, Adam Pierce, I'm going to go over his head. And Adam's like, oh boy, I'm not going to get involved with this. Oh boy. He leaves. He like sneaks, he like sneaks out like a thief in the night. Because he wants no part of it. Anyways. Next match is big. Because of Bianca Belair. Her uh, her warm-up match. Her WrestleMania. Because she's uh, defending that title. Get some serious competition at uh, WrestleMania. You know. Uh, against uh, Asuka. So yeah. On the road to WrestleMania. Carme- uh, Bianca Belair just won't be beat. And Carmella. Uh, yeah. She ain't gonna beat Bianca Belair, baby. You know, this one here, this match was a fun match, surprisingly. Just under nine minutes. It was an official barn burner. Mm-hmm. Now, the whole thing was, uh, will Carmella use Bianca Belair's hair against her? And the answer is yes. Yes, she does. Mm-hmm. Not many wrestlers don't. Because it's, like it's like a rope. It's like a handle, right? You can yank when you're in trouble. Yank when you're in trouble, that's what you do, yeah. So here we go. Now on Bianca Belair's side, and accompanying her to the ring is, of course, uh, uh, alongside Carmella's side, it's uh, Chelsea Green. Now she uh, proved herself uh, worthy in the uh, on being uh, there, because uh, Bianca Belair was just devastating Carmella. Hits her with the uh, backflip. Um moonsault and the back handspring moonsault hits uh, um, you know Carmella good before 
Bianca get a pin attempt. We got ourselves uh, Chelsea sliding into the ring for the first time, and the referee's like, No! Get out of the ring! You don't belong in the ring! And he ignores Bianca Belair a little bit there. Bianca gets upset with uh, with uh, Chelsea. She starts arguing with her. And Carmella comes up and with a big kick to the face. Hiya! Take a this! This is my best kick. It's my sidekick to the face. And she does go for a pin attempt. Not there. Not there. And of course, as usual, this match turns itself around where Bianca Belair is just crushing Carmella again. And then, your last attempt, Chelsea Green runs into the ring and she runs out of the ring. She gets the attention of uh, Bianca Belair and the fourth Bianca chases uh, Chelsea out of the ring, gets her and chucks her into the into the uh, timekeeper's area where she is, uh, she sits there for the rest of the match as in, uh, you know, the punishment area, so to speak. So yeah, Chelsea was put out of action by Bianca. Now what's going to happen in the ring? <coughs> now, Carmella did try to get uh, a cheeky win over uh, Bianca getting in the ring, getting inside the ring. But however, at the end of the day, straight up, kiss of death. Carmella loses. And to the surprise of nobody, to nobody. Now, after the match, it was uh, two on one time. It was Carmella and uh, Chelsea trying to beat the living snot out of Bianca Belair until, of course, it's Bianca's component opponent for WrestleMania. It's uh, Asuka. She comes in the ring there, all dressed up, dolled up, looking like real nice as she could. And she goes into the ring there and she walks up to uh, Chelsea and Carmella. And then uh, she rears back. And before she can lean forward to spit out the deadly Omicron, Bacteria spray mist. Um, it's uh, Carmella. She ducks out of the way just in time, but Chelsea gets a whole face full of the spray and she opens her mouth like, Yes! Hit me with that spray! Yes! It's like the mist of death. I don't know, it was weird. But yeah, that happened. And then Asuka and uh, Bianca Belair have their uh, WrestleMania coming too soon uh, uh, I guess a Wrestlemania moment you know, where they pose in front of the sign like yes Wrestlemania I'll see you there we will have a big match but regardless it's good to see Bianca Belair fight because, uh, even though it wasn't for the belt I mean uh, Bianca Belair fighting it's very rare these days but then again a lot of people are fighting very few and far in between these days you know what I'm saying Mister? it's true so now here we go we go backstage and we have ourselves a one-on-one. -on -one. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn, he, he's, he figures, you know what? Uh, we've got, we're old friends. We're old friends. We go way back. And right now we've got the same objective. We've got their objective is to take out the uh, um, bloodline. And apparently we can't do it ourselves. And uh, we need to team up. Well, here's the thing. Kevin Owens had had it. Apparently, the last time uh, Kevin Owens said, when Kevin Owens says, that's it, that's apparently it with their relationship. So, yeah, it was, uh, it's pretty good. He, he Kevin Owens brings up the fact that, yeah, yeah, it's tough. It's I, it's hard to take it on by myself, you know, but I've been doing for eight months before you, you know that. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty good. I mean, uh, 
Their, their banter is really good. They're, it's So anyways, Kevin Owens wants no part of Sami Zayn and his cause, even though they might be the same cause to take down the bloodline. Kevin Owens wants no part of Sami Zayn's cause because Roman's, because uh, I guess he doesn't care for Sami Zayn. So yeah, that's a tough one. That's a toughie. So now with that, we go into the ring with The Miz moderating this little face-to-face. And the moderation is between uh, Seth freaking Rollins and Logan Paul. So it was fun. Logan Paul, Seth Rollins in the ring there. Both. Now, Seth Rollins, obviously, he's a master of the microphone. He was a microphone master to just putting everybody in place. The the, the crowd is 100% behind Seth Rollins. And it was... It just made the, the the confrontation just that much more precious, I suppose. Now, Logan Paul, I guess his best thing is saying, I'm better than you are, basically is all he's saying. I'm better than you, and that's basically all he can say, because he can't really back it up. Even though I know Logan Paul, his wrestling abilities in that ring, even though he's not a wrestler, he's a part-time wrestler. Like he's a uh, you know weekend warrior when it comes to wrestling, but when he does it, man oh man, uh, Logan Paul can go all out can go all out he's pretty impressive to watch he's fun you know he's he's, he's good he he, he he has the skills to pay the bills if needed that's what i'm saying but however this state ends pretty poorly because they start fighting each other of course they have to because uh, i end up going like hey that's one to go want to go want to fight now so then of course Logan Paul's like well of course we're not going to fight now haha <laughs> not for free of course not Logan Paul, he's a big event man. <coughs> he's WrestleMania, SummerSlam. He's a big events. You know, forget about the other uh, pay-per-views, even though he's seen in other pay-per-views, but uh, not many. But when Logan Paul gets into the WWE, it's for the big ones, like WrestleMania, like I say. WrestleMania, SummerSlam. So before this whole thing can go down, Miz stirs the pot and he gets kicked in the face for it. Right in the face, right in the mush by Seth Rollins. And then he tries to... Uh, incite things a little bit more between the two Seth and Logan and then after the big kick Seth Rollins walks right into a big old punch that's right I believe it was a uh, right hook to the face of Seth Rollins and with that punch nothing in a fist no knuckles at all they could have had like a fake pair of brass knuckles so it looked like more dangerous but no bare fisted punch to the face of Seth Rollins and Seth dropped like a sack of potatoes like a sack of potatoes Mm-hmm. Seth Rollins was out for the count. I guess that's uh, the Logan Paul's one lucky punch he's always been talking about, which never worked on uh, Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. Apparently it works well on Seth Rollins, the one lucky punch. Well, will it happen again? At uh, Now this is a big build-up to uh, WrestleMania. So one thing for sure. Um, now will Seth Rollins-Logan Paul match uh, be the match of the night at WrestleMania? Sure, sure, is all the hallmarks of a great match. But if uh, Gunther is uh, fighting in WrestleMania, gummy tough, gummy tough, because Gunther matches are fantastic, fantastic. Okay, so now next up, we got ourselves a, an inter- interesting match. This match is uh, Almas with his man MVP versus Dolph Ziggler. Now apparently, this match was set up by uh, Mustafa Ali. Apparently Mustafa got this match put together, you know. And uh, what can I say about this match? Was it very good? Not really. It was a squash match, pretty much. It was a squash match. Uh, 
It was uh, about under a minute, about 48 seconds, maybe. So it was, I'm not sure what was going on. Dolph Ziggler, what's his, uh, what's his career path is going to be, uh, is going to be tag team with, uh, um, what's that? The Mustafa Ali, will Mustafa and Dolph Ziggler be like the world's worst tag team or will, uh, um, Dolph Ziggler continue to be, uh, uncle, uh, uncle Howie or, uh, you know, yeah, uncle Howdy. Well, we'll see. Well, anyways, this match was, uh, almost getting destroying Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler trying to get in some offense, but however, not very good, you know? Um, Dolph Ziggler gets smashed and um, MVP watching on the side. He gets kicked in the face. It's pretty much over. He kick in the face and the uh, the choke slam, the two-handed choke slam. Uh, you know? And that was it. Now, I got to say something about um, Almas. One good thing about Almas, I mean, even though the match was just like it was done in seconds. Almas's ring gear looking good. I got to say another thing about this whole ring gear thing is uh, Almas and... Uh, you know, Vaughn Wagner, I think uh, Almas is using Vaughn Wagner's uh, designer. Mm-hmm. You got the very similar gear. It's true. It's true. Who wore it better, though? Oh, I don't know. It's a tough call. It's all down to the wrestling boots and accessories. So anyways, that's about what's uh, good about the match. Dolph Ziggler down in seconds. Now, usually Dolph Ziggler, he can, uh, he can stretch a match out. Dolph Ziggler could have easily stretched this match out to 10 minutes of getting his arse kicked or getting uh, some good offense, making at least almost look like a real person, you know, at least make this look, I don't know. This match could have, this match could have been great. You know, this match could have been the uh, almost versus, uh, you know, Matt Riddle. But no, this match was a joke. Match was a joke. And like that, it's over. Dolph Ziggler, and then the crowd, however, Dolph Ziggler had some fans. One of the fans was Mustafa Ali. Go Ziggler, go! Go Ziggler, go! Go, go, go! Go to hell! What? Did he really say that? I don't know. Anyways, we go backstage. And this, this gets desperate. It gets real desperate, listener. It's, uh, we got ourselves, uh, mm, Maximum Male Models. That's right. Uh, Maxine Dupree with uh, Macy and uh, Mansouri. Now, one thing Macy and Mansouri is really good at are making faces. These, uh, like, like they smell some poo, some real fun faces. They can pull it off. They got these rubbery faces. So basically what they're doing is they're checking out their next uh, protege, Otis. Checking out that big hunk of beef, big manly beef they're looking at. And however, we got ourselves a Mr. Sad Corbin. Sad Corbin comes. Are you talking about me? You want to recruit me? Why, yes, yes, and more yeses. Oh, way my career is going. Being with Maximum Male Models is a is a step up, complete up. A couple months ago, it would be a complete step down, but now I need you more than ever. <laughs> and they said, "Well, you know what?" Maxine said, "You want to join the uh, my group? Why? All you got to do is one thing. See that guy down there? His name is Chad Gabler. Chad Gabler. That's right." It rhymes with tabla. Okay, they never said that. But Chad Gable, you take out Chad Gable and you're going to be part of the uh, Maximum Male Models. So yeah, so uh, I guess, uh, you know, sad Corbin, you might have be something to be happy about. He can be a, a protege of uh, Maxine. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> uh, happy Corbin. 
So yeah, so this is a match that you know who's going to win and who's going to lose. And Chad Gable usually use, loses these one-on-one -on -one matches. Chad Gable is the jobber. But this is one match you know Chad Cable won't be losing, baby. <laughs> oh, this is Sad Corbin's uh, de descent. So now we go backstage again. We go with, uh, we have ourselves some uh, Paul Heyman with, uh, after the match of uh, Soul Sokoa losing badly, you know, because of the uh, disqualification. Anyways, he's talked to. Uh, Jimmy Uso and basically comes down to this um, you Jimmy Uso are the one that's got to get rid of the Sami Zayn problem because if you don't Friday you will be the problem so to speak the Friday's the deadline where Roman Reigns will put down they down the law that's right you are tribal chiefin on Friday and if uh, Jay Uso isn't on the same page ain't on the same page oh you don't want to know you don't want to know so anyways, so a large weight is on Jimmy's shoulders. Now, here we go. We go to our next match, and it's uh, a Johnny Gargano versus a Finn Balor. Now, with uh, on Finn Balor's side, Finn Balor, of course, uh, the leader, the new head of the Judgment Day. And now, with Finn Balor accompanying him to the ring is the Judgment Day. That's right. Damien Priest, Dominic Mysterio, and Mammy, Mammy herself, Rhea Ripley. Accompanying um, Johnny Gargano, it's uh, the silent one, uh, the way member, it's uh, you know, uh, Dexter Luminous. Dexter Luminous, it's not luminous, there's nothing luminous about Dexter because he's just a big, quiet uh, uh, potato, he's just sitting there like a potato doing nothing. Because during this match, of course, it's uh, Rhea Ripley, Dominic Mysterio. Try to get, uh, you know, try to interfere as much as they can to uh, to distract the referee, to give uh, Finn Balor the best chance of win winning. And what's uh, what's uh, Dexter doing? Nothing. Hey, what's going on there? Looks like there's some cheating. Better stand here and say nothing. He does that. He does exactly that. He stands here and does nothing. Now the big cheat, another cheat, where uh, what uh, Johnny Gargano ends up. Uh, it has to take per personally. He has to personally get involved and uh, give himself a massive uh, um, a front bump. Lands on top of Dominic Mysterio after Rhea Ripley distracts the referee. Uh, yeah, it's bad. So uh, yeah, Johnny Gargano has to take thing matters in his own hands because Dexter he just won't do anything. He just won't, he won't do anything. Now Johnny Gargano gets back in the ring after the big taking of Dominic Mysterio. Finn Balor had some time to recuperate and then when he gets back in, Finn Balor takes out. Johnny Gargano wipes him out a little bit, sets him up the corner uh, missile drop kick, drops Johnny Gargano down for the uh, massive coup de grace, the coup. So Finn Balor climbs on the top rope, and you think Dexter Loomis will he do anything to save his friend? Will Dexter Loomis do anything to, to distract the referee? No, he does nothing because he's a potato. So Finn Balor climbs on the top rope there, getting ready, and then hit that music on this day. I see clearly. That's right, Edge. And then uh, we got ourselves uh, um, Damien Priest and Rhea Ripley. They meet. Uh, they try to meet Edge at the ramp. But however, Edge didn't come through the ramp, baby. He came through the back area. 
through the crowd, I suppose, and then pushes Finn Balor off the top rope. Take that son of a bitch! He falls down. Um, Rhea and Damian Priest is still looking. What's going on? And then Finn Balor, he's like, oh, trying to get up. He's like, he's like walking. He's like crouched over, walking slowly towards the ropes. You know, and uh, basically, uh, he needs to walk towards the ropes because uh, that's where Johnny Gargano has his uh, finishing move, his uh, his uh, slingshot DDT. Now. I guess Johnny Gargano finally gets his uh, in position after suffering almost just by losing. He gets up, he gets outside the ring there, and he slingshots himself. He slingshots himself back in the ring. DDT's Finn Balor. Ooh, it's over. Finn Balor loses, and uh, Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley's like, "What? What's going on? No, oh, we're too late. No!" And then Damian Priest and Finn and uh, Rhea try to get to the ring there, and then uh, Damian Priest is attacked by uh, Dexter Loomis. Finally, he does something. You know? And then inside the ring, it's uh, Edge taking out Finn Balor with a massive spear and telling him off, that's it, one last time. Oh, So yeah, it's going to be interesting because uh, after the match, it's uh, Byron Saxton getting up, getting close, up and close and personal with, uh, you know, uh, Edge. And basically he's like, what's this all about? Why did you attack? Why did you cost a Finn Balor to match? It's like, why? We're just even Steven now. We're all even now. Next week, I'm calling Finn Balor out next week. Let's get this finished with once and for all. Now, with this finish, the, the uh, what's that? Uh, um, Judgment Day. You know, Finn Balor lost, loses many times, but Judgment stays always around. Now, with this finish, Judgment Day, I'm not sure. Um... But it would be good to see Edge move on to another uh, feud. But uh, it would be good to see some sort of uh, finale with Edge and the uh, new uh, with the uh, Judgment Day. So, anyways, next up we got a big match: Nikki Cross versus Piper Niven. Now, this match I gotta say, um, this was ridiculous. I'm not sure what was what kind of story it was telling. It was a uh, it wasn't really a squash match. It was kind of it was a nonsensical. It was under a one minute under one minute so it was almost as bad as uh, Amos versus Dolph Ziggler so before the match starts it's the new look Nikki Cross attacking the new look uh, Piper Niven um, before the match starts you know, from behind peeing her up and then eventually the match starts after uh, Nikki Cross trying to tear the eyes out of Piper and the match starts to Nikki Cross with a massive high cross body press off the top Knocks down Piper Niven. However, like I say, this match was just under a minute. Um, the finish. It, this was very sloppy, a very fast, sloppy. Whatever. I don't know what happened. This was just. This match was terrible. Both these women looked terrible in the ring. Um, yeah, this is no way to uh, further one's career with a match that looked this bad. This maybe should have been a dark match because it ended with the. Uh, I'm I'm thinking maybe a uh, a black hole slam. You know, the, uh, um, the Piper's Pit. I don't know what it's called, but it was supposed to be some sort of spinning sidewalk slam. And it was sloppy as all heck. I think, well, oh, she basically Piper Niven spun Nikki around a little bit, just with no control, and then basically dropped Nikki. Bloop! And went for the pen. Went for the pen. At least she, had, she, at least she, she could have had the pride to uh, maybe pick her up. Pick her up and try one more time. Give that a one more go. 
maybe make it look a little bit more epic rather than just a fizzled out match to it became. So yeah, Piper Niven won the match, but really they both lost in the hearts and the eyes of the WWE universe. Mm-hmm, it's true. No winners here, listener. Okay, so after that, we got ourselves a very, it was a funny, funny uh, miscommunication, but hilarious. Now, apparently, Elias and uh, Rick Boogs find themselves together. I think Rick Boogs is trying to find inspiration, trying to find some motivation and stuff like that uh, to learn uh, the business. And to think Elias is um, it's someone, uh, what's that, uh, Rick Boogs is looking to for inspiration. You know, so basically the past couple of weeks, Rick Boogs has been taking notes on Elias's matches the past couple of weeks. And uh, I'm not sure he, if he's learned anything because Rick Boogs has uh, been watching nothing but uh, Elias losing. So basically they're talking about this. It's like, you want to handle it? You want to do it? You got to do it yourself. Basically no more notes. You got to just go out and do it. And he says, you see that guy over there? Go over there and say, I want to, I want to fight you. I want to fight you. And over there is uh, a Bronson Reed. <laughs> so Rick Booz goes down to Bronson Reed and he talks to Rick Bronson Reed. And Bronson Reed goes right up to uh, um, Elias and said, you want to fight? You want to fight? Well, you go to fight. I'm going to put my fist in your face. You did. You did hear me. You did. Well, he didn't say that. But we all know what's going to happen. Bronson Reed's going to smash the living holy hell out of Elias next week. And that's that. That's the bottom line. Bronson Reed is one hell of a competitor. He's a, yeah, he's pretty scary. He's uh, yeah, he's one of my faves. He's in my top faves. Okay, and after he leaves, it's uh, uh, Elias and uh, you know, Rick Boogs again. Like, well, you didn't understand what is <laughs> misunderstanding. He was like, but I read your mouth though. That's what you said. I was reading your lips. <laughs> uh, it was funny. I'm big. I'm really enjoying Rick Boos. He's not fighting much. He's not showing much. He's not showing much of his uh, ring technician, of much how much uh, ring savvy he's got. But as a personality, I'm all in. I love the Rick Boos personality. I'm all in. Love it. Now here we go. We go. Our next little uh, segment. It's with uh, John Cena. John Cena with his in-ring promo. Now he was the. You advertise to be here by uh, none other than Austin Theory. I think the only person singing the name of uh, John Cena is Austin Theory, which is weird. You know, John Cena comes out there. Before he can say anything, Austin Theory comes out there and he gives John Cena all the props. It's like, yeah, you're my hero. You're the reason why I became a wrestler. Um, I remember the days when you, uh, me and my mom, we used to watch you on TV. <laughs> it's hilarious. So it's good now. John Cena. Now he is the master of manipulation for reals. Now John Cena does not like Austin Theory. And now this is the thing is uh, Austin John Cena says uh, um, he doesn't believe in uh, what's Austin Theory. He doesn't uh, he doesn't care or believe in Austin Theory. Now there's a the thing. No John Cena doesn't care or believe in Austin Theory and. Uh, he makes this about everybody. So it's not just me, because John, John Cena makes it. Not, he, John Cena makes the whole situation. He brings in a crowd. He's like, you guys don't like him either. You're like me. We don't like you. It's like, really? Really? That's your thing? 
And of course, it always works. It was a guess right. We're with John Cena on this one. John Cena still sucks, but hey, I like the way he, I like the cut of his jib, how he talks like that. Giving us no opinion, talking for us. John Cena loves to talk for the crowd. He does. He loves it. Not for me. I think uh, Austin Theory is a huge talent. His uh, mic skills is incredible mic skills. He can hold his own against anybody. And in this segment, he held his own completely against John Cena. He verbally raped John Cena in the ring. It was pretty impressive. Um, now, John Cena's calling, accusing Austin Theory of being a card or cardboard cutout of the year. You're a cardboard cutout wrestler. You're just like everyone. You're the cardboard cutout. Really? Saying Mr. Cardboard Cutout himself. This is John Cena's accusing Austin Theory of everything. John Cena's been accused of in his career. Mm -hmm. Maybe his professional jealousy that uh, Austin Theory is the man. He is, I think, he is the face of Raw because, of course, uh, Roman Reigns is never there. Never there. And as a matter of fact, as of now, John Cena, with his very first appearance on Raw this year, ties him for as many appearances on Raw this year to uh, Roman Reigns. That's right. They've both been on Raw one time this year which is incredible. <sighs> so anyways, I do like how uh, Austin Theory just uh, talked down to him, you know. But anyways, John Cena thinks, uh, what's that? Uh, yeah, John Cena thinks uh, what Austin Theory is full of crap. You know, he talks full of crap. But you know what? It's tough when uh, you're when you one finger is pointing at John, when one finger is pointing at Austin Theory, when uh, and then three other fingers is pointing right back at John Cena. That's right. <laughs> so it's gonna be at least. So this match is gonna be. It all started with the old uh, um, with Austin Theory challenging John Cena to WrestleMania for the uh, U.S. title, and John Cena saying, "No, no, I don't want it. I don't want a piece of you." <laughs> well, he didn't say it like that, but we all know what that really meant, you know. And I, the part I really liked was, I liked, I appreciated it. Even though it was a low blow where Austin Theory didn't have to go there. But he did point it out, the big old bald spot on John Cena's head. So good. So funny. So funny. Mm -hmm. Anyways, WrestleMania, I think it's going to be one thing. Now, the funny thing is that John Cena thinks it's a lose-lose situation for uh, Austin Theory. Um, you lose, people lose respect. You win... You still lose. It's like, what? I'm sorry. He, uh, John, uh, um, you know, uh, Austin Theory wins. I'm sorry. He proves that he's uh, he's better than you in every single way. Your manipulation can't work on my mind. <laughs> Anyways, that was hilarious. I think uh, it's going to be fun. This match is going to be great. John Cena versus... Uh, um, Austin Theory, and I believe 100% John Cena is going to use more than three wrestling moves. I'm sure John Cena is capable of more than three wrestling moves. <laughs> uh, that's not including punches and kicks. Okay, moving on. Now, before John Cena leaves, I always make fun of uh, these two people. Now, John Cena made fun of uh, uh, Austin Theory for being a, a John Cena wannabe. And then while he leaves the ring, we got ourselves a little bit of a Bring it all away, give it all away. Boo hoo hoo hoo. My daddy died the other day. I don't know the song. It's uh, 
what's that? Uh, Cody Rhodes. Hi, I'm Cody Rhodes. Hi, Cody Rhodes. I'm John Cena. Hi, John Cena. You're my hero. I know that. That's right. They're like the same person. At least they want to be the same person. And if they come to meeting, they, they shake hands and John Cena uh, lifts the hand of Cody Rhodes. That's right. He's my hero. That's my boy. That's right. I bet Mike Rowe is looking at both of them thinking, that's right. They're two champions. Okay. Anyways, my little rant there is over. Cody Rhodes seeing with the John Cena. How apropos. Okay, so now with that, we go backstage with uh, Kathy Kelly with Sami Zayn and his uh, opinion on Kevin Owens and uh, Jimmy Uso. But it really comes down to his fight with Jimmy Uso becoming a, uh, a match of survival. Comes like uh, Because Jimmy Uso's got no choice. He's got to win. He's got to beat up Sami Zayn. Now, uh, if Sami Zayn wins this match against uh, Jimmy Uso, why? Jimmy Uso will have to face the wrath of Roman Reigns on Friday. So it's uh, quite a predicament. Now this whole storyline is just great. I just I'm just loving this whole uh, whole uh, bloodline storyline. It is good stuff, you know. Okay, so yeah, it's, he's got a lot on his mind. So next up, we call ourselves. We go into the ring with their next match, and this one was another a joke of a match. This was uh, shorter than a rest, shorter than a uh, a commercial break. There's three matches. Two of them were uh, like. Under a minute. Otis, Dolph Ziggler, Nikki Cross, Piper Niven. Two matches. Now they, they say terrible comes in threes. And this was it. This was uh, maybe a little bit over two minutes. So this wasn't under a minute. This was over two minutes. Under three minutes. So even this was shorter than a commercial break. This is the match representing the Alpha Academy. It's Chad Gabla. Remember, it uh, rhymes with tabla. Chad Gabla. It's Chad Gable, of course. I always say Gabla for some dumb-ass reason, but I do. Chad Gable versus Sad Corbin. Now, I usually save Chad Gable versus anybody else. It would be anybody else winning. But against Sad Corbin, or at least Sad Corbin 2.0. Sad's on his way down, baby. He's losing and losing again, so you know who's going to win this. And it was uh, not Sad Corbin. Now, even though... Assad is uh, the much larger competitor. He actually tried to beat up, uh, tried to use his uh, size against uh, Chad Gable, but it did not work. No, no, no. And Chad Gable was uh, faster. And he said, well, this match was just given to Chad Gable, and uh, they were like, just make, just get this over with, you know. Let's get it done with. And it is. I thought maybe perhaps uh, even the weirdest thing, even uh, if Otis was uh, looking elsewhere. So this match here is with, uh, if Chad Gable loses to Sad Corbin, if seriously, Sad Corbin wins, beats Chad Gable, he's got his, he's got his ticket, he, he can punch his ticket to become uh, and the newest member of the Maximum Male Models. That's hilarious. Uh, sad, Sad Corbin. So it comes down to this. Um, to end sequence, Chad Gable with the German suplex takes out uh, Happy Sad Corbin, goes up for a the moonsault. Happy Corbin, or Sad Corbin, moves out of the way. It's like, whew, feeling happy there. And then picks him up for a massive a choke slam. That's right. Sad getting a big upper hand, just whipping down Chad Gable. And then 
of course, Sad Corbin just tries to be like, you see that? I'm a real winner. I'm a winner. So he starts gloating to the fans. And then that's where uh, Chad Gable gets his uh, wrestling mojo on, baby. He clamps onto the ankle. He's an ankle biter. He grabs on the ankle. Then Corbin goes down. And then a couple of seconds later, Chad Gable uh, um, wraps himself around a leg. And then with the uh, ankle lock, it's over in under in uh, just over two minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Chad Gable with a big win. And I'm sorry, Sad Corbin is uh, gets dropped by uh, John Bradshaw Layfield. And now he he's uh, his application is denied by uh, the maximum male models. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. You know. Maybe Lucha House Party might get be might uh, just come back together, and then uh, Chad uh, and then uh, Sad Corbin can be uh, the honorary member of the uh, you know Lucha House Party. Luke career's going good. Okay, anyways, after that we got an in ring in ring promo, live promo with uh, Lita and Becky Lynch, your brand new women's tag team champions. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they're talking about their big win. And then Trish Stratus comes out there, you know, and she's talking about uh, how good it is to be their friends. And she's backing up her good friend Lita and stuff like that. And then Damage Control comes out. Like, no, no. Now it's great. Now Bailey, she's talking there. Bailey, wow. She's looking incredible. I always say Bailey's probably, Bailey, I think, my personally, I think Bailey's got the greatest body in wrestling, period. She looks fantastic. Uh, she could work on that hair. Get rid of that damn ponytail. Let that wild hair fly, Bailey. Let that wild hair fly. You got some wild hair. You got a wild bod. You are just... Uh, you got the package, Bailey. The package. Anyways, regardless of my uh, diatribe over uh, Bailey. So the whole thing is Bailey's talking about... Because uh, Bailey does all the talking. Yo, Sky, forget about it. Dakota can talk, but... Uh, I don't know. Dakota's just a little mouse these days. She's just a mousy mouse of a woman. And it's basically, it's like, uh, we're the three that brought you two here. You know, without us, you wouldn't be here. And we're the three, us three is going to get rid of you guys for good. But will it happen? It comes down to this. Uh, Trish Stratus coming out of retirement. Mm-hmm. Coming out of retirement. To take on, uh, this is a big match at WrestleMania. Got to have uh, a bucket this match. Lita, Trish Stratus tag teaming up. Mm-hmm. Now, I guess uh, WrestleMania not going to have uh, a championship match with the women's. It's uh, obviously uh, uh, the new women's champion uh, with uh, Lita and Becky Lynch. I bet they're going to fight even less. I bet they're going to fight even less than Roman Reigns does or Braun Strowman. So she's, they're going to hold the belt for a couple of months at least. Uh, Becky and, uh, uh, you know, Becky Lynch and uh, Lita. They're going to hold for Anyways. So they start going at it. They, oh, they, things go out of control. They start attacking each other. And uh, we have ourselves a little face-to-face, a little face-down. Um, first, we got ourselves uh, Bailey facing down uh, Becky Lynch. And you can see their profiles. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of uh, intensity in the ring there. But, uh, wow. You can totally see uh, Bailey and all her super curves on her body. And Becky Lynch... I think uh, Bailey's body stole all the curves from uh, Bailey, Becky Lynch. <laughs> anyway, regardless. 
So it's like three on one in the ring now. Bailey, what you gonna do? And she turns around, she gets face to face with uh, Lita. She's got some super curves too. Lita's, or I should say uh, Trish Stratus, looking super fine, super good. Anyways, like I say, uh, if it were a thing with uh, how amazing you look, Bailey would have won that competition, hands down. But Bailey gets three on one, and then Bailey eventually escapes, and we get the scene we see so often. It is uh, damage control, beaten up outside the ring, looking up at their oppressors. Mm -hmm. This time it's against uh, a Hall of Famers, um, Lita and Trish Stratus, and their partner Becky Lynch, the man. So we go now to our main event match. Our big main event match. It is Sami Zayn versus Jimmy Uso. And an Uso's corner, it is Solo Sokoa. Now this was a match of the night. This was some serious fighting. This was some good one-on-one -on -one action. Sami Zayn was this crazy... Now, Sami Zayn's his catch-all wrestler. He can do anything. High-flying, submission, um, you know, strong style. That's it. Sami Zayn's got it all. And this match was very well put together. You know, now earlier on in the match, we had ourselves uh, a Sami Zayn sliding outside of the ring, and uh, why? It's Solo Sokoa gonna put on the uh, Solo Spikeoa, the Samoa Spikeoa, the Samoan Spike onto Sami Zayn. But the referees there were like, "No, I saw you. What you were going to do? You never touched Sami Zayn. But just in case you do, get the hell out of here. I'm not taking any chances. You tried once. You will not try it again." It never has that ever happened before. You know, uh, you know, no chances like Solo, he didn't touch him. You might just give him some warnings, but no, Solo is ejected from the ring. Now in the match, it was back and forth again. Sami Zayn, um, now he goes on top rope again for another top rope move, but you know what? Going up to the once to the well, once to weapon, <laughs> going to the well once too often, that's what I gotta say. He goes up to the well there. He jumps off and he gets super kicked in the face. That's right. Jimmy Sneakers Uso. That's right. Um, the Usos, of course. Jimmy Uso, no different than uh, uh, is uh, what uh, is urban wear. It's like urban uh, athletic wear because uh, his what he wears outside the ring, same as inside the ring. You know, it's kind of upsetting that he doesn't wear uh, actual ring gear or is his uh, ring gear is exactly the same as his uh, street wear. But regardless, um, Sami Zayn gets a the wrong end of the big old uh, uh, kick to the face. And then here we go. Things hit the fan. Listener, we got ourselves a, a Jay Uso spotting. He comes into the crowd. He's a real American. Not really. That song didn't go off. But he's out there. The fans like, oh, oh, look who is here. It's a Jay Uso. And Jay Uso goes to the ring there. Sami Zayn tries to take advantage of uh, a Jimmy Uso in the ring. He goes to a hula of a kick, misses the hula of a kick. You know, they uh, face down. Jay Uso outside the ring, he stands on top of the commentating desk. And then it's a face down. But here's the end, this is where the end sequence comes in because it's uh, um, Sami Zayn. He goes for the sunset flip on Jimmy Uso. And the sunset flip turns into a, a roll up. So Sunset Flip roll up on Jay Uso, Jimmy Uso, and Jimmy Uso loses. So yeah, um, it was like a 10 minute match roughly. But uh, yeah, and Jimmy Uso loses. So what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? 
why the whole thing unfolds this in this episode, listener. We got ourselves, yeah. Jimmy Uso lost. Sami Zayn exits the ring in one piece. No one hurt him. Jay Uso goes into the ring there, greets his brother in the ring there, and he grabs that shirt, looking at it really serious like, it's like, oh, what's he gonna do? Is he gonna tear that uh, We the One shirt right off the back of his brother Jimmy? And then, of course, Jay Uso walks right past his brother, goes outside the ring, meets the Sami Zayn out there. They have a stare down. And then it's uh, Jay Uso giving Sami Zayn one hell of a hug. Sami Zayn saying, whoa, what's going on? He's shocked. The fans were shocked. Holy shit, what's a word that's going around? And then Jay Uso raises the ones in the air, his one in the air. And then Sami Zayn throws his one in the air like, oh, what's going on? Holy shit, this is crazy. And then Jay Uso finishes the ruse. He kicks Sami Zayn in the face. He's like, you think I was going to choose you over my brother? Oh, brother, you're mistaken, sadly mistaken. So he grabs Sami Zayn by the beard and throws him into the ring there. And he's, uh, him and his brother go ham on Sami Zayn. Soul score runs to the ring there and to his savior, Sami Zayn's savior, not Kevin Owens, goes in the ring. But it is Cody Rhodes. I am Cody Rhodes. Get out of that ring now. Because I'm going to fight Roman Reigns on WrestleMania. My WrestleMania moment. Oh my goodness. So yeah. So anyways, that's uh, that wraps up for the uh, all the fighting on this episode. You know? But featured next week, featured next week on Raw, will be Edge. He calls out Finn Balor. So will this be the end of the uh, feud between uh, Edge and... Uh, the Judgment Day, or I thought Edge wanted to finish Judgment Day completely, you know, not just, uh, well, anyways, Edge, Finn Balor, what's going to happen next week? And then, of course, we're going to have ourselves uh, one hell of a match, at least uh, it's going to be one, it's going to be memorable, I suppose, Elias versus the thick Bronson Reed, and I think Bronson Reed's going to run over Elias without any problems, it's going to be fun. But uh, the story is, what's going to happen? What's happening with Elias and, uh, you know, Rick Boogs? That's the interesting story, I think. And of course, we're going to have another warm-up match for Bianca Belair for big, her big WrestleMania match coming up, uh, like, next month. Or in a long time from now. It's going to be Bianca Belair warming up against, uh, of course, it's... Uh, um, Carmella's new bestie, new bestie, it's Chelsea Green. That's right. It's going to be very interesting. So, that uh, wraps it up for another episode of Monday Night Raw. But, uh, fear not, listener. Stay tuned for our coverage of the NXT. That's right after this short break. Lewis Uling. Show, oh, oh, baby. It's time for the wrestling show to take a very cynical look back at representing the WWE and live from 
the Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. It's the NXT. Air date, March 8th. 2023. This episode is the premium live event called A Roadblock and The Road to Stand and Deliver. Let's go. Well, Bo. <clears throat> well, Bo. Welcome back, listener. I'm Lip Hazlywood, and we're about to take a very cynical look back at the latest tapings of the NXT. But before we dive into the show, and the show is, of course, the uh, Roadblock, a quick note, the authority figure of uh, NXT is, of course, Shawn Michaels. Mm -hmm. And, of course, a quick shout out to the other non-competitors. First and foremost, it's the commentary crew, the play-by-play guys, the hosts. And I even call them the narrators of the whole damn show. They are the team of two-time Hall of Famer, Booker T. And backing him up is uh, Avika Joseph. And of course, getting all the backstage scoops and all the backstage interviews is Mackenzie Mitchell. Now, without any further kadoos, let's get on with the big show. The show tonight, which has uh, a five, uh, five big matches. A five, a five big, five big matches. And first one is, uh, oh my goodness, this one is a, a jailhouse street fight. A one to the party in a county jail. That's right, just as good as the song. A jailhouse street fight, and you might say, Whoa, what is a jailhouse street fight? Why, it's, uh, it's like, a, just imagine a, a casket match. Except uh, instead of a coffin, a, a little jail, a little cage, a cage. So it is basically no disqualification, no countouts, and the winner will be cleared when one superstar can incapacitate their opponent and throw them inside a cell and latch the door closed. How about that? And this is guaranteed to be a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And it uh, did not, uh, you know, let you down. It's uh, the matches between Tony D'Angelo and Dijak. Street Justice Dijak. So this match starts off fast. Uh, automatically, right off the bat, they want to get each other into the cage. Get it over with. That's right. But this match was a walloping. 17 minutes. It was a barn burner. Listener, this match was 17 and a half minutes. Close to 18 minutes. 18 minutes, so. And they both took turns trying to slam each other into the cage. And I gotta say, they had uh, chairs involved in this match. A Dijak really loaded that ring up with a lot of chairs. And then Dijak was thrown off. After pulled off the top rope and thrown right in those chairs, damn it. Whammo! This was a lot of fun, like I say. This was a lot of fun. A lot of high moves. Uh, this pr- almost a, uh, a stunt show. A wrestling stunt show. You know, and outside the ring, it's, uh, it, was, it's, it was an interesting spot. An interesting spot outside the ring. Uh, it was Tony D'Angelo. There was a table set up. Tony D'Angelo was uh, gingerly placed on the table. And the table almost gave out like that. Whammo! Yes, right. I use whammo a lot. So, but the table didn't give away. Tony D'Angelo just lies on the table like, oh, better not move too much because it can go in any second. And Dijak goes off the top rope. With a massive elbow drop, falls through the table. It was pretty impressive, I gotta say. I gotta say. 
looked nice. Even though the table was about to give way like real quick, like, you know? But hey, 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 it's what I gotta say. So anyways, we got to a point uh, where we have another time where they fight outside again to get, uh, let's say, Guy Jack tries to get now, he's trying to get uh, Tony D'Angelo into that, uh, that cage. And uh, of course, Tony D'Angelo turns things around. And uh, of course, we got a weird situation happening because uh, Mr. Channing Stax Lorenzo tries to get involved with the match. He opens up that cage door, he gets involved for some reason. And somehow, uh, Dijak gets thrown into the cage, he pulls in Stax. And he gets him into a chokehold, saying, That's it! You close that door, and I'm gonna kill him! That's right, I'm not sure. He's gonna, I'm gonna put him to sleep! Mm -hmm. So yeah, so uh, I guess Tony Dandro had an eye, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, yes, it's Sophie's choice. Do I lock my good friend, my brother, into the cage with a wild man? He doesn't. So anyways, Tony Dandro gets knocked out. And then it's uh, Channing Stacks Lorenzo. He gets the big boot. He gets beaten throttled by uh, Dijak. He gets kicked face first into the... Uh, there's a barrier. There's like uh, an area between the... Uh, uh, there's two sets of barriers, the glass barrier and the uh, foam barrier. And uh, Dijak kicks uh, Stax Lorenzo, chanting right between the two. Mm -hmm. And he tries to get back to work on uh, Tony D'Angelo, but Tony gets all crazy. How dare you take out my man like that? And he goes crazy with uh, Dijak with that chair. He tries to take him out. And he tries to push Dijak into the ring, into the uh, cage. And Dijak, of course. He uses the old, uh, the, what's that, the, uh, the back kick. He thrusts his foot backwards and crushes Tony D'Angelo's ball sack with the old back of the leg. That's right. Giving Dijak the going on top again. And then Dijak with his best, you know, feast your eyes. Last attempt of winning. Because now it's become a um, Dijak versus, uh, you know, uh, the entire D'Angelo family. Tony D'Angelo and Shining Stacks Lorenzo. So with the feast your eyes, Tony D'Angelo gets knocked out. Boink! He falls backwards into the cage. And then uh, Dijak tries to close that cage up closed. But then we got ourselves a little bit of interference here. A little bit of the... And thank goodness there's no disqualification in this one here. Because uh, um, Channing Stacks Lorenzo once again throws his body into line. No! And then he throws himself into the door. And then uh, the cage door cannot be closed now. But while he throws himself into the door, he has his, a, a, a crowbar. That's right. Not a, not a plastic one, though. By far, not a plastic crowbar. A real crowbar. He throws in the, <laughs> the crowbar. So hilarious. So, Dijak gets uh, a hold of, uh, you know, stacks again. But however... The crowbar comes in handy because he starts walloping Dijak with a crowbar. With one last wallop. Now, if it were a real crowbar and he would have got hit like he got hit, it would have crushed his um, collarbone. And yeah, it would have been over for his career. For sure. For sure. But thank goodness for the props that they use in wrestling. And uh, our imagination makes the world go round. So Dijak gets crushed in the face. He goes down. And then with the final close of the door in the face. 
It's like in your face. Closing the closes the steel cage on the little uh, little cage on his face, and Dijak goes down with a thump. Oh my face! And yes, of course, Tony D'Angelo. Now he beat the uh, Dijak. Is he truly now the Don Don? He's a uh, he became Don by being uh, Tommaso. Now is he a, a double Don? Who knows? Maybe. Dawn times do. That's a, that's quite a lot. That's quite a lot of dawns. Okay, so now with that, we go backstage with Mackenzie Mitchell with uh, um, Roxanne Perez. No. And it's, she's talked about uh, Roxanne Perez's uh, uh, pre-match interview against, uh, you know, uh, Mako Satomura. But it's weird. It seems like no matter what, because, you know, uh, Mako... I guess uh, Roxanne feels like she's ready. She's been she's been fighting all her life. She's ready for this match, but it's really come down to this. Roxanne Perez is literally looking past Roadblock in her match with Mako Satomura and looking to whoa! I'm looking towards uh, Stand and Deliver already. Stand and Deliver, so you know who's going to win this match. Not Mako Satomura. I I uh, I, I predicted this match uh, as soon as I found out who was going to be fighting. Who's gonna win? So, anyways, yeah, she's look, already looking forward to stand and deliver. So, yeah, how about that, listener? How about that? And with that, and with that, we go to uh, the most dramatic part of the NXT. That's right. These are the days of the week, starring them good old boys. Them good old boys. Uh, they're, you know, Josh Briggs, Brooks Jensen, uh, Fallon Henley, and Kiana James. And this is here last week. Uh, it was. Uh, Josh Briggs, he wanted to uh, talk to Kiana James one last time to get uh, his buddy, um, Brooks Jensen, another chance at Kiana James. And with Kiana James is uh, Jeeves. Is Jeeves, I think. It's her name. Um, I think this could be a future tag team partner of, uh, you know, uh, Kiana James. I know Kiana James is already a, um, the women's, one half of the women's tag team uh, champions. And I think they're just the paper champions now. Until uh, I think Isla Dawn and, uh, you know, Alba Fire take over. Because, yeah, this uh, Fallon Henley, Canna James, yeah, that's uh, that's a very, uh, yeah, that, it's just not working. It's just not working! Perhaps rightfully so. So, anyways, the whole drama of the thing, it's uh, now, in order to get the date, he finds that, uh, hey, did, uh, Brooks Jensen send you some roses? Because there's some roses on the desk. And he picks up, hey, there's a card there. And he picks a card out. And it's like, do Kiana. And hearts and stuff like that. And Kiana takes that thing off her hand. Like, no, you're going to see that. And tucks it away too sweet quick. And she says, I'll set up something with Brooks Jensen later tonight. You hear me? She didn't say that. But anyways, not exactly like that. So next up, we have ourselves a little bit of the uh, NXT Men's Tag Team Champions of Gallus. Marcus, Coffee, and Wolfgang. And Wolfgang's accent is thicker than all hell. I mean, he's not even trying to, uh, trying to, uh, you know, cut the accent out a bit. You know, use his tongue a little bit more when he talks. Because it's tough to understand. You know, I made fun of uh, Xavier Woods going, What did you say? What's that? I'm sorry, uh, what did you just say? This basically like that. It's like, uh, Marcus Coffey is uh, tough enough to understand, but uh, Wolfgang, whew, if his wrestling was like his uh, English accent, my goodness. 
It'd be one hell of a... I don't know what that even means. What it even means. But anyways, they're talking about they're upset with the... Pretty Deli, this was be a face-to-face, and Pretty Deli shows up there, and you know, not really quite face-to-face because they're on a little bit of the perch area, the uh, the viewing area of the uh, NXT uh, arena. You know, it's a uh, what's his name, uh, Elton Prince and Kit Wilson. So this is basically turning out like, you, we want to fight right now. We're gonna lay the belts down on lines, and Kit Wilson, Elton Prince come down the line, come out to the ring there, and get flopped into the ring like fools. But here's the thing, it's great about the Pretty Deadly, even though they look like chumps in the ring there today, but they've got another title match. They got another title match against the pretty against uh, Gallus, the Gallus boys. So yeah, Gallus is their pride gets hurt real quick, and uh Pretty Deadly did not have to go through the uh what limited tag teams they got in the NXT. So they didn't have to start over again. Mm-hmm, it's true. So, anyways. Gallus hit take the ring and uh, pretty deadly they're like we're gonna get a chance at the belt again and pretty deadly it's not the first time these two teams have fought in the ring won't be the last time obviously this next time won't be the last time and i think uh, i think it's pretty fair to say that uh gallus will win the next uh, round the next matchup but eventually pretty deadly i think they're uh, a lifelong team i think they'll be there a long time like uh the new day the Usos, you know, uh, the uh, the Street Profits, even the Viking Raiders. That's right. So here we go. Next up, our next match. It is a, a six-man tag. And like I say, I think uh, usually tag teams matches are a fiasco. You know, I do enjoy them. But when you have more than four people in the ring, like six people, six-man, eight-man, it becomes a, a fiasco. It becomes a, uh, you know, uh, um... What's that? Uh, a stunt show. You know, a Wild West stunt show, or, or should I say a wrestling stunt show. And it's basically, you know what? NXT, it's usually pretty clean with tags. Pretty clean with when you grab tag ropes and use pretty clean usually. But this one here, it was a it was a mess. It was a mess. Now they did every now and then later on they did start using tag ropes when they remember, but the referee really doesn't care. So this match started really as a fiasco. They all went into the ring and they start battling it out. Oh, three on three. Oh, it's all out war. And the battle goes outside the ring and, uh, you know, they're all jumping around on each other. Oh, take this. Uh, take that. Uh, it was a lot of fun. This match was a lot of fun. Just like the first match was a lot of fun. You know, the match eventually started and it was about the same length as the first match. It was about 11 and a half minutes. It was a, a real barn burner. Real barn burner. Mm-hmm. Now here's the thing with this match. They had uh, it, they had it all. They had one more section of the match where it was like uh, all of uh, Indusheer. Now it was like I say, it's Diamond Mine, Brutus Creed, Julius Creed, and Braun Breaker versus Indusheer. Zasanga and Veer of Indusheer and Jinder Mahal. Now is Jinder Mahal part of Indusheer or is he just uh, controlling the team? Regardless, they had a moment where all in the shears outside the ring, you know, just during the match, and then it's uh, all of the, uh, the you know, Bruce Creed, Julius Creed, and Braun Breaker, they all do topa suicidas, all flop outside the ring. It was big, it was a big moment, it was a lot of fun, lots of fun. Now, during the match, we got ourselves uh, like seven minutes in, Mr. Carmelo Hayes joins the ring, joins the commentary. 
I guess he has an eye out for uh, Mr. Uh, Abron, a breaker. That's right, Mr. Cool. I think the new face of uh, NXT here, the fresh face. You can't miss that Carmelo Hayes. He's got he's got the skills that pays the bills. Um, uh, he's my fave. He's one of my top faves. That uh, Carmelo Hayes. It's true. Now in this match, oh. I couldn't believe the athleticism of uh, Julius Creed. Julius has got some serious skills that pays the bills in that ring. I mean, if once Julius truly finds his gimmick, his new his his gimmick, his look, his final um, Julius, uh, you know, the final look of what Julius Creed could be, because his wrestling skills are right up top. Dude, he's got his skills. He's he's top notch. He pulls out a 450 splash. Now that is pretty damn impressive. Um, what Julius Creed can't do, I'm not sure. Because I know Julius Creed, his future is pretty damn bright. He's got uh, he's got the size, he's got the physique, he's got the endurance. Um, now what can he possibly do? And Is he better as an individual? Who knows? But I know there's a... The sky's the limit for a good old Julius. Now in the match, however, we got some pretty good, pretty good back and forth. You know... Um, and this year has this moment with uh, uh, Julius. They have uh, Sanga, Sanga, holding up uh, Julius in the sidewalk slam. And then uh, Veer, who couldn't believe the move, like a massive elbow drop, top rope elbow, Macho Man style, beautiful, sliding through the air and smashing. It was a good tangent move, even though I don't think the sidewalk slam was quite necessary. But hey, every little bit helps. And that Veer... That fear elbow drop, goddamn. That was a thing of beauty, gotta say. If anything was beautiful, it was that. And of course, Julius Creed's wrestling ability. Now they had another, near the end of the moment, the end sequence of the match. And this is like, wow. It becomes a three on three again, like the beginning. They all get in the ring there and they start beating each other up. And it clears up the ring there. It's with, uh, I believe it's a veer, is left in the ring with uh, both Creed brothers, Julius and Brutus Creed. Julius gets uh, um, Veer on his shoulders. And then uh, Brutus does his thing. He was on top rope. And uh, the Brutus ball. The Brutus ball. He crawls up into the ball and cannonball. And he jumps and he smashes. Uh, he basically hip checks. It's basically a hip check off the top rope to uh, Veer. So yeah, that's what it is. And he takes a back bump. So yeah, it's kind of a, a kind of worthless maneuver. Maybe if he did, maybe he did like a, a lariat off the top rope. But he, Brutus just needs his Brutus ball. Well, it's my thing. I got the Brutus ball. If I don't have the Brutus ball, what's what do I have? What do I have? <laughs> so, anyways, he goes with the Brutus ball. And it goes to the pen. One, two, three, it's over. Over! And like I say, 11 and a half minutes is done. Now, here we go. Next up. We got ourselves what we've all been waiting for. If we've all been waiting for is uh, the Grayson Waller fans. And yes, now this is the Grayson Waller effect and his special guest. And he's been uh, calling out Shawn Michaels for weeks now. He's had it with Shawn Michaels and losing. And he's getting, uh, he's uh, getting all in Shawn Michaels' face, you know. And he has finally Shawn Michaels comes out there. And uh, Shawn Michaels, he's all, uh, he's all concerned. Because, you know what, there was a time when Shawn Michaels and Grayson Waller were good friends. I guess this was the time where, before, Shawn Michaels became the uh, the new uh, authority figure of 
the NXT. Mm -hmm. This is when the, uh, the Triple H days. So now that uh, it becomes like, yeah, we're great friends. Now, now what's what, what happened? What he happened? So here's the thing. Now it became like this. Uh, ever since Shawn Michaels took over, Shawn Michaels is treating, basically he feels that Shawn Michaels tr is treating the NXT like how Vince McMahon treated the WWE. That's right. You got to have the look. Doesn't matter your mic skills or your wrestling abilities. If you're not big enough and you're not uh, popular enough, why you're just not going to become champion. It does not matter about your skills and what, like I say. So he's like, you're just like him. And that's why I can't stand you. And that's why I can't stand you. And I want to match with you. And I don't know why I gave him uh, a, an accent like that. I can't stand you. That's why I want to match with you, Shawn Michaels. Except me match it. It's stand and deliver. Oh, I want to fight you. It's stand and deliver. Why, uh, and it's like, uh, you know what? Shawn Michaels, face it. He's pretty much retired a long time ago. You know, he's a uh, great mic skills, great personality still. But you know what? He's just too old to do it. But instead of Shawn Michaels picking up the thing, Shawn Michaels reintrodu reintroduces Johnny Gargano. Johnny, Johnny Gargano, king of the NXT. So yes, back to the NXT's Johnny Gargano. Temporary or full-time? Maybe something just to bolster Johnny Gargano's, uh, you know, uh, ego or wrestling career give me a good win or loss maybe uh grace Waller is uh gonna be fed someone really good to, to uh, feed his eat feed his career you know uh, grace and waller victory over uh johnny gargano yeah i'd say that's good I'd say it's pretty good considering i believe uh grace and waller uh, uh got this biggest heat for uh beating up uh johnny gargano when it's going away you know going away from NXT the first time. And he gave him a good old beating, beat down, which gave him the first heat. So can this rekindle the heat? Maybe. Maybe not, but it's going to be interesting. So I believe it's going to be next week. Johnny Gargano versus uh, Grayson Waller. Moving on. We go into our big match. It is uh, the women's division. The end of Toxic Attraction, possibly. It's uh, Gigi Dolan versus a JC Jane. Now this match was uh, roughly eight minutes. This was, uh, I guess, uh, you know, okay in length, you know, pretty respectable in length, I suppose. But however, the match itself, uh, this match was pretty mediocre, pretty me mediocre at best, you know, um, a lot of back and forth. They fight outside the ring there a little bit. It's back in and out of the ring. Um, JC, um, follows uh, Gigi, uh, uh, Gigi follows JC out of the ring. JC punches Gigi in the face and then decides to grab a chair and to smash Gigi in the head with it. And the whole thing was kind of sloppy. The match was sloppy at best, you know. I don't know, just something was missing out of this match. I think uh, Gigi, I like Gigi's look. She's got a, I mean, I think she's got a great uh, look, period. I think uh, she can work with uh, a better stylist, maybe. Uh, someone to uh, properly make ring gear for her body shape. Uh, but I think she can go far if she if she's in the proper hands of somebody. You know, if she's in the proper direction. G.D. Dolan can be big. Give me a big star. That's my mind, though. But this match was here and there. Here and there. Nothing special. Now, we go to her finishing move. 
Uh, they, t- they tussle a little bit in the ring there. And uh, the finish moves this. When Gigi Dolan wins, it's called the, the, I guess, the unofficial name. It used to be called the Toxic Drop. Now the Toxic Attraction is no longer. Maybe it's, I don't know. Once it was called Toxic Drop. Now Toxic Drop is this, how I see it. It looks like uh, Gigi Dolan is getting JC Jane into the abdominal stretch. Kind of abdominal stretch. And then... It's a modified abdominal stretch, and then basically, uh, Gigi Dolan takes a back bump, throws a back bump down, and I don't know. It's uh, it's a sloppy looking finishing move, very sloppy looking. Uh, it makes a bump, makes a bang, but uh, I don't know. It's not very uh, convincing. As a perhaps, uh, I think yeah, I think there's got to be a complete overhaul on a Gigi Dolan thing to make her uh, 2.0 get her next level. So basically, Gigi Dolan wins this match in about eight minutes, you know. But however, getting the moral victory in this match was J.C. Jane. J.C. just, uh, after the match, J.C. Jane just just pummels the living hell out of Gigi Dolan, just beat the living hell out of her, pummels her and kicks her in the head and just, just beats the living hell out of her. And then after that, you know this feud is not over. Gigi wanted to end... Uh, or JC wanted to end Gigi's career, throwing the chair around her neck and going to the top rope, perhaps jumping off and trying, maybe jumping onto the chair, crushing her, you know, her clavicle, or, you know, I don't know. But it didn't happen that way. The referees came in to stop it, you know. So we know this. This matter between Gigi Dolan and JC Jane is not over. It is not over. I can see this going to uh, stand and deliver. This was just a roadblock. This was just a roadblock between the other uh, pay-per-view, or should I say, the uh, premium live event. <laughs> so yeah, I think this is uh, they're stretching this out just a little bit more. Maybe the uh, there's going to be bigger, uh, you know, uh, uh, consequences to pay. Maybe bigger, uh, bigger consequences. Who knows? But yeah. No, they did fight outside for like uh, almost a minute up there. The referees, they don't care about uh, how long you fight outside these days. I believe the referees are so worried about the, keeping the match going on schedule that uh, because if they forget to roll into the ring, they break the count. They don't want to stop the match and say, like, oh, huh, that'd be terrible on me and uh, I don't want to get fired, baby. I don't know, but the referees are just do not care if you're outside the ring more than 10 seconds. It's true. This match was one of the big things. You know? Anyways, Gigi Dolan with a big victory, but JC Jane, JC Jane after the match, just smashing the hell out of a Gigi. So, yeah, we're going to see this happen again. Another, a rematch. We're going to see. No, no diggity. So, after that, we go, I guess, backstage locker room area with uh, um, Josh Briggs. The drama continues. These are the days of the week. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Josh Briggs back there with uh, Fallon Henley and Brooks Jensen and the good news why um, Brooks Jensen has just got a phone call from uh, Kiana James oh my and we got ourselves a little bit of a well Brooks Jensen takes off and we got a little bit of a one on one with uh, Josh Briggs and Fallon Henley what's going on you know but anyways it's all about the roses now Josh Briggs is uh, convinced Fallon Henley's correct that perhaps, um, you know, uh, Kiana James is uh, got another lover. But does it matter? Not really. But I guess it's got to work with the, uh, 
Uh, Brooks Jensen, something's going to build up. But right now, they're stuck with uh, learning how to be good actors instead of wrestlers. Let's move on. They want to be full all-rounded. So next, we got ourselves a uh, in the ring with uh, with uh, Braun Breaker in the ring there, and basically he's uh, he's calling out, uh, you know, uh, Carmelo Hayes. So Braun Breaker, this is like this is unscheduled. Braun Breaker comes out and says, "We must be uh, we must be running uh, long on time, so we better do something about it." So I guess uh, they bring out Braun Breaker. He talks about, uh, yeah, I'm going to bring out the elephant in the room, and that is a Mr. Uh, Carmelo Hayes. So I guess next, uh, at Stand and Deliver, it's going to be the big match. So it's all about to bring them all out there, you know. And uh, it's time, it's time, listener, for these two to have their paths cross. And it's, uh, it's going to happen at uh, Stand and Deliver, apparently. Um, now, is it time for a new face of NXT? It seems uh, a lot of people aren't uh, really happy with Braun Breaker these days. Um, Carmelo Hayes is a young upstart. Of course, Braun Breaker is a young upstart too. But uh, could we need, Could we? are we looking at a new champion? Carmelo Hayes has been toting that, uh, he's been lifting the, 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 the NXT on his shoulders. He's been uh, really, really working hard. And I think, yeah. I think it's time that we're going to have a new champion. And perhaps, yes, Carmelo Hayes is the next champion. So, yeah, it's uh, a day shook upon it. And perhaps we're going to see a new champion at uh, Stand and Deliver. But right now, we go backstage with uh, a little bit of Thea Hale, with some Thea healing. Mm-hmm. He's, she's with uh, the Schwami, you know. Um, what's his name? Uh, Tyler Bate. Mr. Tyler Bate, and he's getting her into uh, meditating and getting over her, over her, uh, her, uh, I guess, her trauma with Grayson, with, uh, should I say, uh, Joe Gacy. Joe Gacy did some horrible things to her, and uh, now she's got to even her mind out. And, of course, Chase you, Andre Chase, and Duke Hudson are there, and Andre Chase like, yes, this is good stuff, good healing of the mind. However, Duke Hudson, he doesn't believe that... Uh, mumbo jumbo, that mumbo jumbo. Oh, I don't believe a word you're saying. You toilet bite. I don't believe a word of it, toilet. It's snake oil stiff. Okay, I lost the accent there. So yeah, our next match is a big one. It's going to be uh, representing Andre Chase University. It's Andre Chase, and it versus uh, representing Schism. It's Joe Gacy. It's schism now. It's whole things like Joe Gacy. Oh, your school is. You, you, there's no credibility in your school. Really? Andre Chase University, no credibility in that university. Wow. Really? In Andre Chase University, no credibility? <laughs> you might have a point there. <laughs> so ridiculous. So now it's a match. The two. I guess Andre Chase has got to uh, redeem himself in his university. We are a legitimate university, damn it. So it was back and forth. It was an okay match. There's a lot of. It was a good match. It was an okay match. This was just a bit above six minutes. A lot of back and forth, you know. Um, now this match had this weirdest uh, power bomb. Now it was the the lowest power bomb you can possibly go. If you can drop any lower, I'm not even sure if he could. It's all started with Joe Gacy on the second ropes. 
standing on the second rope um, with uh, Andre Chase on top of the ropes. And John, of course, um, Andre Chase does a, uh, a, a front flip, a, you know, a victory roll style on top of, uh, I should say, yeah, a sunset flip. It does a sunset flip over top of, uh, you know, uh, Joe Gacy. And lands kind of awkwardly and somehow manages to pull off the, the world's lowest powerbomb. It's true. That's right. Anyways, that match. Uh, but it gets even weirder after that. After the powerbomb, you think uh, Joe Gacy's out and done for. And then we go outside the ring and we got uh, Thea Hale with a personal power moment. Personal empowerment moment, I should say. Uh, moment of personal empowerment. I'm going to get this right, listener. One day or another. And she gets her the strength in her, her, her inner strength, and she goes up and confronts Ava Rain. Now, alongside with uh, Joe Gacy today, it is, of course, Ava Rain, Jagger Reed, and Rip Fuller. Jagger and a rip of uh, the dyads. Mm -hmm. So she gets up there, and, and she shows that Ava Rain that she's not afraid anymore. She's got control over her own life now. And she does not want, she's not afraid of, well, let's just say, she's not afraid of Ava Rain or she gives him. And she turns around and she sees uh, Andre Chase and gives him a, a high 10. High 10, baby! And she's all excited. Andre Chase is excited for her. And uh, Duke Hudson's like, what's going on? Oi, what's going on here? And this happens. Duke Hudson turns around to face, uh, I guess, uh, you know, uh, Joe Gacy in the ring. After all, Joe Gacy was small power bombed in the ring late, earlier on. So he turns around, but by the time he turns around, Joe Gacy's already started his upside down. He does a, a handspring um, against the ropes, and he backs up under his hands, and he turns around to a, a lariat. It's basically just a, a clothesline from hell. You know, it's called the upside down. And it's over there. You know, eight minutes, or should I say uh, uh, six minutes, six little over six minutes, um, under Chase uh, loses to Joe Gacy, and uh, a shisham, shisham. So I guess it's true. Schism is uh, the uh, church, the, the the fight over church and state. Yeah. So I guess church wins. Church wins. So now with that, we go into a nice little vignette, little vignette with uh, Isla Dawn and uh, Alba Fire. Now Isla Dawn, I think, damn, 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 she's absolutely beautiful. She's a beautiful. <laughs> yes, that's true. And getting over that now this whole thing is like maybe she's playing a new hex she's looking forward to becoming i think this is like they're scared to road to become the new tag team champions of nxt and i gotta say the nxt women's tag team division is looking horrible the new tag team champions of kiana reeves kiana james and uh, uh fallon henley i'm not sure what they're doing they just they won the titles you know off of team casey Caden uh Caden carter and uh katana chance and they've done nothing with it. They've done nothing with it. So basically, yeah, um, Core Jade was right to toss the uh, belt directly into the garbage. Into the garbage. So yeah, who knows? Maybe Alba Fire and uh, you know uh, Aladon can win those championship belts and become true champions, and maybe you know bring those back belts back and make it mean something. But how can it mean something when the uh, when there's really no tag teams defended against? You know, they're just, we'll just put these two together for the time being. <laughs> like we always do. <laughs> okay, moving on. We go backstage again. It's uh, Andre Chase University and, ooh, 
Duke Hudson's all pissed off. He is upset. And he says this, uh, you know, we are an institution of losers. You know, we're pathetic. We're a bloody joke. It's true. We're going to give an, a medal to someone who just wins one match. That's why my accent is here and there. It's terrible. But uh, yeah, Duke Hudson putting uh, Andre Chase, Chase University on notice. Saying, you guys are a joke. Let's be serious here now. Now, I think, uh, yeah, there is some lot of prospects into Andre Chase University. There's a lot of uh, possibilities in the future of it. But yeah, you know. Um, but what are you going to do? Is Andre Chase University going to last? But hey, who knows? People like Andre Chase University. You know, it's uh, Andre Chase is like potential. If he's got a lot of potential, but not uh, if he's not, uh, you know, grasped. It's Andre Chase. He's got, he's done nothing to improve his gear at all. He just looks like he's, uh, you know, uh, my sweater and my t-shirt and my pants and my, and my uh, sneakers. I'm ready to go. I'm sorry. You know, if you don't act like a professional, you're not going to win like a professional. You know? Anyways... That's my diatribe about that. Now, here's a weird thing. We got to go backstage again with uh, Mackenzie Mitchell with Wesley. And they're talking about uh, the open challenge he's been having. And Wesley's really all about it. He's like, yeah, you see that last week? Oh, my goodness. Everybody was in the t- wanting it. It was a lot of action. It was very fun. But here's this hilarious too, because um, what is this uh, roadblock? Roadblock, is it really a, a premium live event? Or is it just a regular NXT I think it's just a regular NXT day. Because uh, Wesley's not fighting in this one here. Only one championship belt is being decided. So it's kind of uh, it's kind of sad. Kind of sad. So anyways, we got ourselves Axiom comes in the picture. Oh, I think I should get a big chance at the belt there. Oh, I should get a chance at the belt. I came last week there. I don't know. That accent is just absolutely terrible. But anyways, Axiom wants his chance. Last week he didn't get it because, you know, it was a Hank Walker problem. But it's basically, it's like, um, Wesley's like, hey, hey, it's an open challenge. If you can get to the ring, uh, the opportunity, it's all yours. It's as easy as that. So I think this is going to be really great. This is going to be a great thing for Wesley. Wesley truly is uh, the face of uh, the NXT because he's uh, he's literally doing more than Braun Breaker. You know, he's been... Uh, Pushing up, pushing. He's been, uh, yeah, plowing the fields harder, so to speak. He's been uh, just carrying the, he's been showing up more, so to speak. So, yeah. Anyways, next up, we got ourselves our main event match. Main event match of the night, it is for the women's championship title. And uh, defending her championship title, it is uh, Roxanne Perez. Now, I gotta say, Roxanne Perez, uh, she broke through that damn glass ceiling. She's uh, doing some wonderful things with that belt. You know, after all, she did win it under some uh, crazy circumstances because Mandy Rose, she was doing, she, uh, she, had, she made some decisions in her life that uh, ended up, you know, uh, getting her, her released from the WWE NXT. So this gave uh, um, Roxanne Perez an easy title shot. Title victory, I should say. So, yeah. So, right now, it's uh, Roxanne proving herself to become a, a worthy champion. And she's had a, you know, a couple of uh, um, defend title defenses. One against Toxic Attraction itself, themselves, as um, a triple threat against her title. Yeah. But it's been pretty uh, easy road for Roxanne. And, like, all the champions in general. Um, except for Wesley. He's doing some pre-work. But this time here, Roxanne Perez versus the main boss. 
Mako Satomura. Mm -hmm. Now I figured uh, Roxanne Perez is going to win this one here because, uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, Roxanne Perez is going to solidify herself as the champion. And this match was like 14 minutes. And this did solidify one thing for sure. The greatness of Roxanne Perez. How great she can work with such a competitor as Mako Satomura. Mako put her through the ringer. Just, just, it's, it's all about Roxanne Perez's uh, ability, her stamina, and her ability to want it. And Roxanne wanted this match like you wouldn't believe. This match was the match of the night, you know? Now, uh, you can tell Mako was not holding back on Roxanne. She was like squashing her any way she could here. I mean, uh, Concussion City, perhaps. But uh, this is the resilience of Roxanne Perez. You know, putting her through Roxanne Perez is being uh, literally twisted into like uh, pretzels in the ring there. Thrown around, twisting the pretzels. Roxanne Perez showing his grit, her grit. You know, just like blocking some punches and kicks. Turning things around for time being. years back and forth. But really, it was all about Mako Satomura. Picking her up with a massive, uh, um, what's that, uh, Death Valley Driver. That's right, a Death Valley Driver. Just crushing Roxanne Perez. And then with the back handspring, um, a kick, she lands, literally a backspring, uh, and she lands on the back of Roxanne's head with the back of uh, Mako's uh, uh, foot, or the front of her foot, so the, the crook of her foot, her shin on her foot. It really, really quite a move. And it could have given a serious whiplash to, uh, to uh, Roxanne Perez. Goes for a pin, but however, Roxanne kicks out, rolls out of the ring. This is where things get weird in the match. Now Roxanne, uh, she rolls out of the ring there. Mako meets her outside and outside the ring, still on the ring. Roxanne throw, pushes Mako into the ring post. Pang! They both roll outside the ring. Then here's where it gets strange, listener. Um, Roxanne Perez attempts to pop rocks. She pops on top of uh, Mako's back. Mako then turns around, grabs onto the ring apron, at least you would think. And then pop rocks goes off. Roxanne goes off with the Pop Rocks. However, uh, Mako does not go down. Well, Roxanne goes down first. Mako fall, fall, falls backwards, I thought. When you looked at it, you thought, wow, did Mako really mess up that spot? Did he really just, did she just really just make up the, mess up that? It just, woof. But no, I guess it was meant to be like that. Because after that, it was the uh, Scorpio Rising. The Scorpion Rising, Scorpio Rising kick. To the back of Mako's, to the back of uh, Roxanne's head outside the ring. Oh, looks like it's over for uh, Roxanne Perez. Mako rolls her into the ring there and for the pin, but Roxanne was way too close to the ropes and her ring presence saved her life. She, with her foot onto the ropes, she breaks the count with referee seeing it this time. No count! And then, uh, I guess Mako Satomura tried to finish it with a final flurry. The final flurry with a kicks and punch and a kicks and punch. And she goes up with that one last time with the Scorpio rising. Goes up and she goes with the Scorpion kick. Wah! She misses. Roxy Perez pulls her head out of the way. Uh, Mako stomps down in front of her. And then with the wild move. The wild move. Only a person like the name of uh, Xavier Woods can think of. The uh, the schoolgirl rolls her up. Humo, humo. One, two, three. It's over. That's right. No pop rocks, listener. Just a roll up. And it's true. 
Roxanne Perez looked right by uh, Mako Satamar. Um, she's looking to, uh, what's that? Uh, stand and deliver. And of course, Mako, um, of course, Roxanne Perez will be champion for Stand and Deliver. But, yo, that ends it with, with, this, with this day. Uh, with a massive win, uh, Roxanne Perez retaining her championship gold and the only championship gold uh, defended on this day. Now, that wraps it up for uh, for this week's episode of the uh, uh, last match of the day for NXT. But uh, the highlighted things for next week, the highlights for next week of NXT will be there's going to be a championship match. A championship match. Braun Breaker versus Carmelo Hayes. Next week. Um, stand and deliver. And uh, yeah, so it's going to be pretty good. Um, anyways, that wraps it up for another episode of the NXT for this week. But uh, if you're not a listener, stay tuned for our coverage of SmackDown right after this short announcement. Or a short break, however you see it. We'll be right back. Lewis Uling. Show, baby. It's time for the wrestling show to take a very cynical look back at, representing the WWE and live from the PPG Paints Arena in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's Friday Night Smackdown, air date March 10th, 2022. This episode is The Road to WrestleMania. Let's go. Uh, well, Bo. Well, Bo. Welcome back, listener. I'm Lip Hazlywood, and this is the Wrestling Show's very cynical review slash... A look back at the latest episode of Friday Night Smack It Down. But before we get started, a quick shout out to the non-competitors. You know, they're the glue that holds the building together. Now, representing the authority figure, it's Adam Pierce. As usual, next, getting all the pre-match interviews and all the backstage scoops. We got ourselves a, a Kayla Braxton. And last but certainly not least, it's the commentary crew, the play-by-play guys, the hosts, and I even call them the narrators of the whole damn show. They are the team of my personal favorite, and I'm sure future Hall of Famer. It's a Wade Barrett. That's right. Wade Barrett. And backing him up is a longtime veteran of over 25 years, Michael Cole. Now, I gotta say, Wade Barrett, ah, damn, he's uh, he's so damn good at his job, you know, reacting to Michael Cole and his uh, his being so present and so aware of the show that he's on is it's just next level. It's just so good, so good. It's good to have Wade Barrett, you know, behind the microphone, making things interesting and uh, keeping the fan, the the viewer, up to date, up to par. What's going on within the match? So yeah, another great job by Wade Barrett. Good news to him. <clears throat> Now, of course, without any further kadoos, I'm saying no, without any further, okay, let's get on with the show. And we start off with a big match. And uh, actually, we start off with uh, the Usos 
Jimmy and Jay Uso, and they meet up with Paul Heyman before the show, and uh, Paul is just so just so very happy to see uh, Jay Uso back. You know, gives him a hug, but it seems like it's very cold, not really received very well by Jay Uso. And uh, basically, uh, now this is where this is the week, this is the day that if Jay Uso did not show up to SmackDown, a part of the uh, Bloodline. There's hell to pay for Jimmy Uso by Roman Reigns. So we all assumed, at least me, I assumed today would be the day Roman Reigns is at SmackDown. Like, uh, wow. But no, no, Roman Reigns was not there today. And why would he be? So ridiculous. Just because he's a champion there doesn't mean nothing, right? So anyways, Kayla Braxton then bumps into the, to, uh, the twins and they ask questions about uh, what's going on? What's going on with you and uh, uh, Sami Zayn? Why Jey Uso has uh, be selling everybody that in the ring later on tonight and that thing he's going to be saying will be so important. It will be the main event. Mm-hmm. But first, we go to our very first match of the night and it is uh, a fatal five-way match for the Intercontinental Championship title held by Gunther. Now, out of all the champions of uh, the WWE, you know, Roman Reigns barely fights at all. He's double two, double champ. He barely fights. Um, but it's funny, for SmackDown, Roman Reigns being SmackDown champion and uh, Gunther being a SmackDown uh, Intercontinental champion, um, it's funny that Gunther actually fights less. He fights less than Roman Reigns does. It's pretty insane. Gunther can fight maybe uh, once every two months, maybe. Maybe once every three months. Gunther really knows how to stretch this stuff out, not fight. Um, Gunther is making serious records, but like I always say, if you if you get the belt and never defend it, you're going to break records. Unfortunately, it's just for longest term, for lo- holding it longest. Not like, oh, hey, I guess that's what everybody looks at to say, how long has he held the belt for? Rather than how many how many uh, times did he defend that belt during his championship period? So yeah, this one here is another another uh, way to uh, stretch the uh, uh, term where uh, Gunther fights. So right now we're gonna have a start. Like I say, let's get back on track here. This is a fatal five way match for the number one contender for the Intercontinental Championship match, but title fight against Gunther. Now the matches against it was set. It's Kofi Kingston versus Sheamus versus Drew McIntyre versus L.A. Knight versus Karrion Cross in this big old, big old mass match. Now, surprisingly, apparently Kofi Kingston was injured. They say he was injured. He got injured. So taking his place is Big E. Langston. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's just doing video games right now. No, it's Xavier Woods comes into the ring there. He gets, he helps out. This match was a lot of fun, I gotta say. A lot of fun. Each person had their uh, opportunity in the ring, time to shine, and uh, also to pull, to to, to uh, tell the story between uh, Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. You know, good friends, turn bitter enemies, turn to even more bitter enemies, turn to good friends again. Now enemies again! The greatest of frenemies. This is uh, just pushing their storyline, really. But Xavier, he had a couple of great moves, gotta say. He had an opportunity to uh, um, give the old uh, coast-to-coast elbow drop. The uh, 
the type the rope walk, a coast to coast elbow. I'm not sure what he calls it right now. But he has a choice of either to hit it on uh, Carrying Cross or L.A. Knight. And he picks L.A. Knight. Now, this match was a lot of fun, I gotta say. A lot of fun. Now, after that, we got ourselves, oh my goodness, our current intercontinental champion, Gunther, making his appearance. At least he's showing up, you know. Um, he's not doing much. Like I say, he rarely defends that title. Now, this would uh, theoretically determine the number one contenders. And we move on with the match. Now, in this match, we had ourselves at our, the uh, the Tower of the, the Tower of Doom, where we got ourselves a carrying cross uh, gets superplexed by LA Knight, who gets uh, German suplexed by uh, Drew McIntyre. That's right, when Drew McIntyre is hung upside down and he does his thing when he's upside down and he picks someone up and suplexes him. Yeah, that's his his trademark. The trademark Drew McIntyre uh, hung upside down, not really hung upside down. Gotcha with the German suplex. So that, that's the old gotcha move. That I think it's on every single Drew McIntyre match. That's true. It's true. Every If he hits it every now and then, it's pretty like, wow, the first time I saw that, it's like, that's pretty cool. And then uh, when I see it in every match, I'm like, okay. Here he's, oh, Drew McIntyre is being hung upside down again. Hmm, I wonder what's happening next. I wonder if he's going to throw his German suplex on. And it always happens. Always happens, listener. It's true. But we also got, this match got really fun. Where Sheamus, now this is also the end of the the match, the sequence of the match. Uh, Sheamus getting, oh, Kofi, uh, I should say, Xavier Woods in his uh, 10 beats to Balor. That's right. Wacko! Th- 10 times. And then turns to find out, oh my goodness, Karrion Cross has just climbed onto the ropes there. And oh, just perfect timing. And then uh, Sheamus goes to Karrion Cross and gives to him the 10 beats of the Balor too. Wham! Oh, 10 times. Oh my God. And then, lo and behold, uh, not be left out. It's a L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight comes up to like, not, don't forget about me. I need to be initiated too. So he gets up there and he gets a 10 beats of the Balor as well. Mm-hmm, it's true. Now he taken out everybody. Only one person left to give the ten beats of the Balor to. It is his friend of me, Drew McIntyre. But however, Drew McIntyre gets in the ring. They go face to face, like, oh, let's take this out like men. Let's fight it out like men. Now this whole match, Drew McIntyre and uh, Sheamus never really tussled in the ring. There, they never tussled. You know, they had a lot of bad looks at each other. Now this match was uh, one referee was in this match so far. Just one referee was around calling all the shots. Referee Jessica Carr. Now, this is where it gets weird. Before any tensions grow between Drew and Sheamus, we got ourselves a uh, Xavier Woods climbs to the top of the rope, scene, jumps off his sacrificial lamb and then whammo! That's right, bro kick right to Xavier Woods' face. He drops him down flat. Drew McIntyre and uh, Sheamus look at each other again. Whoa! And the next, you know what? L.A. Knight gets in position. He runs in as a sacrificial lamb number two. Wacko! It's uh, Drew McIntyre with the massive Claymore kick to the face of L.A. Knight. Now, this is where it gets really weird. It uh, makes no sense at all. Um, this is where the pin happens. The pins happen. Now, Jessica Carr, she goes to... Uh, what, uh, Drew McIntyre, L.A. Knight, Sompot, and she starts counting. And while before, she, as, she's going, as she's going for the count, another referee appears from nowhere. From nowhere. Another referee appears. 
And uh, this referee starts counting at the exact same time as Jessica Carr. And surprisingly, they both get the pin at the same time. Wow. Wowie, wowie, wowie. Now, will this be um, a triple threat match or the uh, Intercontinental Championship match? It'll be interesting, you know. Uh, um, but, you know, uh, Sheamus, Drew McIntyre, and uh, Gunther, three heavyweights in the ring there. What's going to happen? Who knows? But anyways, we move on with that ridiculous end to the match. Because uh, Jessica was the only one in the match. And at the very end, this other Shlemo rolls in the ring there and starts counting. I don't get that at all. It makes no sense at all. There was nothing wrong with Jessica Carr. She was not knocked unconscious. She was not uh, rendered uh, um, unable to finish the match. So that's really the only time they'll bring in another referee. So yeah, this was kind of weird. This was kind of weird. Now moving on, we go backstage. And we got uh, Kayla Braxton alongside of, uh, what's that, uh, Paul Heyman. Talking about then, Kayla Braxton wants to know about... uh, Jay Uso's actions and against uh, you know the Sami Zayn. Why? Why did he turn his back on him? But of course, Paul Heyman had other things on his mind, and that's Cody Rhodes. He's got some Cody Rhodes on his mind, and uh, you know, and he's got what? The, what's Cody Rhodes getting his nose into the bloodline business for? You know, um, and basically, it's this. The question is, uh, how to deal with Cody Rhodes? Now, uh, Paul Heyman talks strategy with uh, Roman Reigns. There's two ways to deal with an opponent. Lies or straight-up honesty. Try honesty, try honesty. And this was honesty, listener. It was truly was, and that's what they needed. Because, of course, uh, uh, Dusty Rhodes, a father of Cody Rhodes, uh, was never really a fan of his boy, Cody. You were let down. You let me down. I don't know why I put an Italian accent on this uh, southern man. The southern man. So he had believed more than uh, um, Roman Reigns to be his official son. But regardless, it's about the truth really hurts and the defeat. The, the goal is to mentally beat your opponent before the match even begins. Yes, right. Win before you begin or disgrace, uh, the destroy your opponent's uh, mental state before you fight the match. And you've already won. It's true. That's what they say. That's what Paul Heyman says. So yeah, they're looking for the big match at uh, WrestleMania coming next month. It's going to be a long time. Long time from WrestleMania. So with that said, we go into the ring with a little bit of, uh, you know, um, uh, introduction to the Hall of Fame. The very first ballot Hall of Fame entry for this year. It is Booyaka Booyaka Between Nine Rey Mysterio. He's, he walks out the ring, he's all proud of himself. Look at me! I'm a proud, I'm a proud boy. Comes out there. And then the uh, Judgment Day come out there before uh, Rey Mysterio can say anything. Uh, Judgment Day comes out there. Uh, you know, Finn Balor, da- Damian Priest, uh, Rhea Ripley, and of course, Dominic Mysterio. And Dominic, you know, talking about his poppy. Talking about really basically, basically being ashamed of his son. It's shame to be your son. You know, I'm ashamed to be that you're my daddy. Meet Mammy. Meet the Mammy. Anyways, it is pretty good. Uh, I gotta say, honestly, uh, Dominic Mysterio, he's got uh, his mic skills are really, really good. He knows how to get under the people's skin. 
and uh, he's doing great when he doesn't when he doesn't bring up his ridiculous uh, jail time. I mean, when he every time he brings up the jail, he's uh, back in prison. He just sounds like a fool. He sounds like a fool. But when Dominic Mysterio talks about just he's honest, you know, talks from the heart or however he talks and not so phony. He sounds he's great. He's great, Mike Seals. So he's talked to uh, Rey Mysterio and then comes in. Oh, Fanta uh, what's it? Legado del Fantasma come in there. The whole team. You know, uh, it's uh, Santos Escobar, Cruz del Toro, Joaquin Wild, and also uh, Zelina Vega. That's right. And this match is basically, uh, it's it's a build-up. It's a setup. basically. Uh, there's supposed to be a match coming up between, it's a six-man tag, Judgment Day versus Legado del Fantasma. You know, so this is just uh, um, a setup to the match. And the match starts, match starts, and it was uh, about 10 minutes in length, maybe 10, 11 minutes in length, roughly. I'm not really quite sure, it's, uh, you know. But like all tag teams matches, uh, the uh, the ropes don't really matter, don't matter at all. Now, Legato del Fantasma, they are a tag team through and through, and they do their best to hold the tag ropes and tag in and now try and keep it as clean as possible. However, Judgment Day, they just don't give two shits. They don't give two shits about the tag ropes. And the referee, why? He don't give two shits either. You know? But hey, this match, let's see what goes on now. Like the big, you can possibly obviously see there's one section here where uh, Finn Balor and uh, Dominic Mysterio to a regular referee would see them uh, giving themselves a high five hey high five brother because uh, Dominic was tagging out Finn Balor tagging in and uh, Finn Balor nowhere near the tag rope so ridiculous the referee's like uh, it's good enough for me <laughs> so, uh, anyways this match was a lot of fun we had ourselves a little bit of uh, um but uh, Damien Priest and Finn Balor knocked out of the ring there. And then uh, Santos Escobar and Joaquin Wilde go for a double tope suicida. Wipes them both out, baby. It's pretty good. And while they're wiped out, we got ourselves a little bit of involvement for the ladies. The ladies. Zelina Vega. She's so petite. She's so tiny. <clears throat> Why Zelina? She decides to try to get the upper hand. She climbs up the staircase. The steel steps to the ring. And she goes for a Huracarana onto uh, Rhea Ripley. <clears throat> now, here's the thing. Rhea Ripley, well, she's just too big. Now, the size difference is incredible. Zelina Vega looks like a 12-year-old girl with uh, big boobs. And uh, versus, uh, I don't know, She-Hulk. <coughs> so, it was pretty embarrassing. Zelina Vega goes for the Huracarana. Um, Zelina Vega stops her, picks her back up, and with a massive um, power bomb, she throws Zelina Vega right on top of uh, Santos Escobar and Joaquin Wilde, knocking them to the ground. Even though they could have easily caught Zelina Vega, you know, out of midair without falling, but I guess they had to take the drop because in the ring we got ourselves a little bit of a uh, um, Cruz del Toro and Dominic Mysterio in the ring. You know, now. Before anything had happened, we got ourselves a little bit of face-to-face. -face. We got a little bit of uh, Rey Mysterio getting right in the face of uh, Rey, uh, Rhea Ripley for some reason. You, you ruined my family. You are a home wrecker. So while he's arguing with Rhea Ripley, of course, it's uh, Cruz del Toro, Dominic in the ring there. 
Cruz tries to Irish whip Dominic Mysterio. Dominic uses the momentum to uh, do a sliding drop kick, a baseball slide drop kick to his pappy, mm-hmm. Dom, uh, Rey Mysterio outside the ring. Now this sets it off, the, the whole end sequence, which was really weird because uh, while that happened, after the slide drop kick to his father outside the ring there, uh, Cruz Del Toro goes for a modified schoolboy on uh, Dominic Mysterio. While he does that, Rey Mysterio, get this, Rey Mysterio helps his son out. That's right. He helps him out by jumping into the ring, distracting the referee. Referee, quickly turn to me. I can't see my son lose like this. So yes, he's still on the son's side. Believe it or not, he is. It's all a rouge. You know, it's all a rouge. <laughs> it's all red, baby. Uh, yes, it's all a fake. So we all know that uh, Dominic is popular. all good. But anyways, while Rey Mysterio is distracting the ref, while uh, Cruz Del Toro is trying to get a, a good pin on uh, Dominic, why, we got ourselves a uh, Damien Priest gets in the ring there and with a massive super kick, <gasps> kicks Cruz Del Toro right in the face, knocking him out, baby. And then with this, with the, I don't know what it is. Um, Dominic Mysterio trying to get some sort of uh, uh, a roll-up, a, a roll-up pin on uh, Cruz del Toro. It was the most awkward thing I've ever seen. Cruz is being flopped around like a weird f- uh, fish on a gra- <laughs> his shoulders flopping up and down, and oh uh, yeah, it was very sloppy, very sloppy on uh, Dominic Mysterio. But he got the win. He got the whole win for his team. Yeah, yeah, baby. It, it was it was a match. It was fun. It was okay. Nothing special. Nothing special you see here. And then after the match, that's where this fireworks fly. Where Dominic Mysterio wanted one on Dominic wanted one-on-one time with his pappy, setting back the uh, judgment day. And he talks about the whole thing again, you know. Hit me! You know, hit me. I guess he's trying to instigate something. Um, Ray Mysterio does not want to hit his son. And this is carrying on like that. Maybe uh, this is Dominic's uh, fun way to uh, try to get rid of uh, Rey Mysterio. It's funny too, because this whole thing, uh, Judgment Day, they're Monday Night Raw. So of course, again, this week, a SmackDown uh, low on uh, competitors. Yes, yes they are. So before this whole thing's over, Dominic Mysterio with a good old face wash on his poppy. One last time to like, hit me. And then, uh, well, Rey Mysterio says, no, no, no. He tries to walk away from him. Dominic Mysterio tries to attack, but Rey Mysterio dodges the attack. Dominic Mysterio goes out of the ring there, and that's pretty much it. You, they had a face-to-face thing. Will they ever fight? Will Dominic Mysterio officially retire his daddy? Now his dad is now officially in as a, a Hall of Famer. He's not quite inducted yet, but he will be inducted. And after that happens, Dominic Mysterio can do his magic making him the greatest heel of all time. But hey, we got ourselves Santos Escobar in the ring there with uh, Rey Mysterio. Now, here's a funny thing. Wade Barrett, he says, uh, it was hilarious, Wade Barrett, he's, he's great. He says, now Rey Mysterio, he is a, a Hall of Famer in the WWE, but he is a, in the Hall of Shame in parenting. <laughs> it's so good. So it's true. Now, Santos Escobar, he sees the one thing. He sees the Hall of Fame, Rey Mysterio. He doesn't see that parenting. He doesn't care about how badly uh, Rey Mysterio raised his son. He just say, hey, you're my hero. 
I thank goodness I was not your boy, because I would hate you right now. But since I've watched you, admired you from afar, as a wrestler to wrestler, I appreciate your accomplishments in this wrestling ring, even though all your accomplishments meant that you had to ignore your family. But I appreciate you. That's right. Because uh, you, if you're, I don't know. But anyways, yeah. Maybe she was like, you're right, boys. You're right. I'm a Hall of Famer now. And my son doesn't love me. But they really do. I'm sure of it. In real life. They're a happy family. Mm-hmm. But at least uh, Dominic Mysterio, he's getting some good heat. Good on Dominic. You know. Now here we go. We go backstage. It's with uh, Miss Charlotte Flair, our women's um, champion. And uh, Elimination Chamber, she did not put up her championship belt. You know, um, she's another uh, person who barely uh, puts up her title. She barely title fights. But right now, she's looking for a match. She wants some competition. She wants a warm-up match before her big match at uh, WrestleMania against Rhea Ripley of the Judgment Day. So who is she going to be fed? Who's going to feed? Who's uh, Adam Pearce going to throw into the lion's cage, so to speak? Well, we'll find out that later. That is the uh, main event match. So now, right now, we go to a tag team match. It is uh, the Viking Raiders with Eric's wifey. Um, he said uh, Valhalla versus uh, the team of uh, Wait for the Ricochet, R- Ricochet, and his tag team partner, the gigantic Braun Strowman, baby. So now here's the funny thing. It was a good match. It was a fun match. It was uh, about 12 minutes in length. That's right, 12 minutes. It was a barn burner. It was pretty good, you know. Now in this match, we got ourselves Eric and Ibar out. They fought themselves outside the ring. And uh, this is where the weirdest tangent move comes into play. It's where uh, Braun Strowman uses uh, Ricochet as a, uh, you know, um, I guess uh, a projectile, a human projectile. He like literally just like uh, gives him a uh, you know a, a beal. He throws him right over the top ropes. He Sophie Tope Suicida's uh, ricochet. He almost throws him right over top of Erica and Ibar, but he wipes him off. Now here we go. Well, we thought uh, Eric and Ibar tried to put it away. It was uh, Ricochet in the ring doing all the work there. He getting wiped out by Eric, and Eric and then Ibar grabs a uh, oh Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman gets, he, he moves from one side of the ring to the other side of the ring, other side of the post. You know, he got to get in place. And then it's uh, Ivar goes, climbs out of the ring there and holds, you know, Braun Strowman's in place while uh, Eric bashes him off, off the ring apron. And then Ivar tries to eliminate him for the match by giving him a good old squashy, a squashy squash against the uh, ground there, against the, uh, you know, barricade. That put, uh, you know, Ricochet in the ring by himself. But Ricochet, however, I thought, well, this is over. I thought, could Ricochet actually pull this off and take a win by himself? Because I thought, of course, I thought Ricochet and Braun Strowman were going to win this match. And I thought, could this be a chance where Ricochet can prove everybody that, hey, I can win a match without the help of Braun Strowman. I can do this on my own. And I thought it was true. Ricochet did get a couple of opportunities to pin, uh, you know, Eric. But Eric got the better of uh, Ricochet. What a wicked, with a massive, massive uh, sit-down powerbomb. I say, one of the better ones I've seen. He, was, uh, he landed high on his back, and uh, when he landed, it was Eric 
with his feet naturally on top of the shoulders of Ricochet. It was a, a textbook sit-down powerbomb, I must say. However, Ricochet weathered that storm. Braun Strowman weathered the storm. They got back together. Braun Strowman gets a hot tag. And like I say, this match also, with every tag team match, the ropes don't matter. Tag team ropes don't matter. Referees don't care. You know? So Braun Strowman gets a tag in. And then Eric Ivar gets tag in. And then Braun Strowman goes ham on uh, Ivar. And then Eric gets knocked off the apron there. And Ivar gets smashed in that ring there by uh, the running Braun Strowman. And Braun with a massive missile dropkick. Right to the nuts of Ivar. Oh my goodness. Ivar took the shot right two, two feet right to the nuts. That's how high, you know, Braun Strowman does. <laughs> it was weird. It's hilarious. Anyways. And then this is where it gets all weird. This is where it gets strange. Braun Strowman decides it's time to do the, to fire up the Braun Express. Toot, toot. And before he runs, takes the charge, he's like, uh, before I charge, here, Ricochet, I'll tag you in to finish off the work. So the Braun Strowman goes out the ring there after tagging in uh, Ricochet. He runs around the ring. First of all, he hits, he smashes into Ivar. Ivar gets knocked right on, to right on top of the uh, apron, ring apron. Rolls into the ring, and you know that was going to happen. And then, this is where things go upside down. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about Joe Gacy either. It's uh, Braun Strowman picks up full speed and charges oh, towards the uh, announce table. Now, this happened before. Braun Strowman running and crashing over top the announce table. It's been done before. He's done it before. I mean, he's his uh, best Otis impersonation. So this time he's trying to crush uh, Eric, but his beautiful wife, Valhalla, pulls him out of the way. And then it's uh, Braun Strowman just throwing himself right over the announce table, knocking him out of the competition for, yeah, for the competition. Mm -hmm. Inside the ring, of where Ricochet sees what's going on. And then with the massive, oh, this was beautiful. Between the second and third rope, he throws himself right, crushes Eric outside the ring, renders him, um, renders him uh, out, knocks him out for the rest of the match. So now it's one-on-one -on -one in the ring. Ricochet versus uh, Ivar. Now Ricochet gets the better of Ivar in the beginning there. He tries to get his uh, massive uh, three, uh, uh, what's that, uh, 480? 450 splash, I say. 450, big splash. Tries to get him. Ivar rolls out of the way. And then when Ricochet gets up, Ivar meets him with a massive spinning heel kick. Oh my goodness. Ivar, he's such a massive talent in that ring. Ivar, he's got super skills, man. Ivar could literally be... I, I, always, I'm a, I always tout the Ivar horn. I think if Ivar is on his own, he can, he can be at the face of a brand right now. He's got so much to go. Anyways, that spinning heel kick knocks uh, Ricochet out for good. I uh, could have ended it, but however. Now, Ivar has a uh, top rope frog splash of his own. A splash from the top rope. And you know what? I got to say, as of now, as of right now, who's got the greatest frog, who's got the greatest splash from the top? I would, that's tough to say. But the most, I guess, uh, dangerous most fearful uh, splash you can possibly take is from a flying Ivar, because my goodness, who he gets height and he crushes. Now this even looks better than uh, uh, oh, anybody, you know? Anyways, it's better than everybody's in the ring there. He's damn good. Um, anyways, let's move on. Now we go back to the stage here, back of the uh, backstage, 
with Adam Pierce and uh, Gunther. That's right. And I gotta say, uh, Gunther is not ups, not happy. He says, uh, you know, English may not be my first language, but I know the difference between a regular word and a plural. And I would look, you said you'll find me an opponent, not opponents. Uh, one is a plural, one is singular. So yeah. So Adam Pierce like, yeah, you're right. We cannot have, you know, a triple threat match, you know, for next week. We got to stretch this out more a little bit longer. <laughs> so yeah, anyways, that's uh, going to be, he's going to have a match next week. Uh, it's going to be for the number one contender for the Intercontinental Championship. Um, and it's going to be uh, Sheamus versus uh, Drew McIntyre. And since Sheamus already had two opportunities at this belt from, uh, you know, Gunther, I'm thinking it's going to be uh, Sheamus will lose next week to Drew McIntyre and it will be somehow, well, it's going to be a thing with Drew McIntyre and Sheamus going fighting for the opportunity for uh, um, Gunther. And I don't think Gunther will be uh, defending his championship belt at least until WrestleMania. You know, that's how little I feel Gunther will be fighting at all. You know, so here we go into the ring here with uh, the match Charlotte Flair asked for. I want some competition, and who's there? Why we got ourselves a, a Shotzi comes in the ring there with a little tanky, a little tanky poo, with a little firecracker poo comes shooting out of her little thingy poo. Now, Shotzi, I personally think Shotzi is fearless. I personally think Shotzi's got some serious skills in the ring there, top-notch competitor. But I also believe that Shotzi gets no respect in the WWE. You know, anywhere else she'd be a champion right now. I'm sure of it. You know, if she's in Ring of Honor, she'd be a champion. If she was in uh, um, Impact Wrestling, she'd be a champion. If she was in, uh, you know, uh, All Elite Wrestling, she'd be a champion. But here she's like uh, uh, a Lucha House Party. No respect, no respect at all. But however, this match was a lot of fun. It was a good, good match. Um... You know, during this match, we got ourselves... Uh, now, I know who's going to win this match. It's going to be Charlotte, because she's got... She's defending her title against uh, Rhea Ripley at SummerSlam. That's right. And Rhea Ripley shows up, and she's trying to put a kibosh on uh, Charlotte Flair's victory. And it did work a little bit. Shotzi got back in the ring there, rocked back in the match there with a, a wonderful, like, uh, a Frankensteiner. Top rope Frankensteiner on... Uh, or Hurricanrana, whatever you say. He looks more like a Frankensteiner on... Uh, Charlotte Flair, but Charlotte, however, is Charlotte, and uh, you know, Shotzi is Shotzi, and we all know what's going to happen. Shotzi's going to lose. So setting up everything is the uh, followaway slam. Shotzi gets picked up, she gets paraded around the ring, and followaway slam entails. And then after that, Shotzi gets set up for a massive spear. This is a good spear, not one of those lame-ass front bump spears. This is a legitimate edge-style spear. Wham! This knocks the living holy hell out of Shotzi. This is pretty much over there. Because after that, it's uh, Charlotte. I guess she's trying to prove a point now. She looks over to uh, Rhea Ripley. Now, this is whole thing's uh, taking a little while after the big spear. Rhea Ripley's not even paying attention to the ring. She's, like, talking to somebody out to the side there, you know? And finally, she notices uh, Charlotte Flair in the ring. And the sheriff's like, this is for you. Watch this. This is your future. And then she throws in the figure of four, flips into the figure eight. And then Shotzi's tapping like you've never seen anybody tap before. Tippity, tippity, tap, tap, tap. Over, it's done. You know, this match was uh, eight and a half minutes, roughly eight and a half minutes. It was a fun match, you know. 
Um, Shotzi, well, Shotzi, the women's division in the WWE. Mm -hmm. Something's got to happen. I mean, NXT is looking so good compared to the rest of the divisions. But regardless, but regardless, uh, that's the main event match. But we carry on to the main event. Um, Why well, we got ourselves a little bit of the build-up after the match. Rhea Ripley goes in the ring there, goes in the ring a little bit face-to-face. -face. Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. And they're propping in a match for WrestleMania. Who's going to win? Why it looks good. It's going to be fun, at least. It's going to be a lot of fun. But I think... I think Rhea Ripley, she's proven herself as the most dominant woman in wrestling right now. And I think it would be a shame if uh, Rhea Ripley does not win at uh, WrestleMania. So after that, we got ourselves a little bit of the Usos. Just Usos. You know, this SmackDown, they don't have uh, Solo Sokoa is not there. You know, the brother, other brother. You know, and uh, he's SmackDown competitor. Paul Heyman's not down there. It's just a... And of course... Roman Reigns, nowhere to be seen. He's supposed to be giving some either punishment or could-do's, but none of that. None of that, of course. But it's all about why did Jey Uso attack Sami Zayn? I'm thinking, um, I thought that was an obvious given. Sami Zayn, like, what? it's what uh, Kevin Owens said a long time ago. You know, when you think you're part of the bloodline, but you're not blood, when it comes down to it, you're not family. You know, comes when it comes down to it. When push comes to shove, that's that's the bottom line. And it's true. And it's absolutely true. Kevin Owens predicted it months ago. And that's exactly what it is. Guess what? Um, Jimmy Uso, they're, they've been brothers for all their lives. They are brothers. Blood, you know, and their family, their blood. And that is it. You know, it's unfortunate. He says it's unfortunate that he had to make a decision. But the decision was obviously clear. You know, you choose your family, period. And while he's talking about that, we got ourselves a little bit of upset, uh, you know. What's that? We got ourselves a Co uh, Cody Rhodes then comes out there because they talk about Cody Rhodes. Now, uh, the problem with the uh, Sami Zayn is that Roman Reigns was right. You know, Paul Heyman was right that Sami Zayn was apparently too selfish. All he had to do to avoid all of this was just fall in line, just fall in line, and nothing would have happened. But Sami Zayn just couldn't do it, because he's too selfish. So, according to the storyline. So anyways, after that, get on to business. Cody Rhodes' business. Now, Cody, they talk about Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes comes out there, and, uh, you know. And Cody Rhodes says something. He says uh, he doesn't answer to, Rody, uh, to Roman Reigns. He answers to them. And when he says them, he points to the crowd. I'm like, what? Whatever, John Cena wannabe. It's not about me, it's about us. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, don't make, yeah, it, that's what you gotta do. Never make it about yourself, make it about the people. So you, so you have more numbers in there. So that's so ridiculous. So ridiculous. Anyways, um, while before anything can happen, Sami Zayn comes from behind and it starts attacking. Sneak attack. And then they start fighting everywhere. It's hilarious. They fight into the crowd there. Cody Rhodes tries to take off his jacket. It's his shirt, his t-shirt. He has a t-shirt on, buttoned up, and uh, he tries to pull it off. I think he's got these uh, these cuffs are done, done up, so he can't pull off his shirt. He's looking like a fool trying to take off his shirt. His his arms are cuffed together with his shirt. And he's he literally tears his shirt off his own body. 
It's hilarious. Regardless, they end up fighting off the Usos, Jimmy and Jay Uso, and uh, I guess uh, Cody Rhodes doesn't want to make it about himself, so he raises the hand of Sami Zayn. He's trying to reach for his dream, people. He's trying his best. So I can see this. There will probably be a tag team match coming up probably next week. You know, uh, Jimmy and Jay Uso versus Sami Zayn and Cody Rhodes. Uh, would there be a tag team uh, championship belts on the line? Probably not. But at least the tag team champions will be fighting, probably. So yeah, ends pretty fun. So that does that does wrap it up for this entire week of SmackDown. And also concludes this episode of the podcast. Now, if you've stuck around to the very end of the episode, know that I hold a very special place in my heart just for you. So join us again next week, listener, for an all-new episode of The Wrestling Show. And always remember, you matter. Louis Show, baby. Can you believe it, Chapo? I'm still in disbelief to have three great representatives from two different industries all in one place here. Oh, we and have all three of them doing some work for the wrestling show as well. That is so fantastic. You know what made this experience so memorable to me, Chapeau? Qu'est-ce que c'est, stupendous? But when such esteemed guests visit the wrestling show studios such as the likes as Long Ginza and fellow wrestler Starlust Cootie Roods, days like this are memorable for everyone who participated. And let's not forget the man who inspired millions with his impeccable speech. That's right. Mike Rowe, how for me, Dabbler? Yeah, hey, uh, okay, Chapeau. You made your point. I was not the only one to experience a memorable moment that night. Now, back to me. Ah, uh, fantastic. Now, putting aside everybody's experience that day, what, pray tell, made your experience so much more memorable, stupendous? Well, I'm certainly glad you asked, Chapeau. Exactly, Blue. Well, it's no secret that I'm a super fan of Long Jeans's, Starlust, Cootie Rhodes, and even have their hero Mike Rowe there, too. You know, I thought I was just grateful only to see Long Jeans, but it truly was a wonderful occasion for everyone indeed. Um, excuse me, friend, but I'm having a private conversation with Sacred Blue! Uh, Chapeau? That's twice this segment. Uh, we stupendous. Th- this is. this is Trey Impossible! Uh, well, I certainly don't think it's impossible. Chapeau, you, you just did it. Uh, Family Bush? Don't you recognize your old friend, Stupendous? Panakeku? brings you around the wrestling show studios these days. Wait! What did you just say? Chapeau? I thought Panakeku was dead! No. Stupendous. I am very much alive. 